Okay, so if you are live here with us, this is episode 193. We are doing this on Valuetainment.com because uh, YouTube gave us a strike for the interview we did with Richard Gage, I want to say. Yep, Richard Gage and, for uh, hate speech. For hate speech. 9-11, we're disputing it right now. We've already appealed it. We're going to see what's going to happen. Typically, when we get these strikes, we appeal. It uh, gets resolved fairly easily and quickly. We don't have issues with YouTube over the years. Every once in a while, when we did some stuff during COVID, they took some of those things down, which is fine. But right now, we are here on the website. And so uh, 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 if you're watching this because you came afterwards or because you saw a tweet or a text or a Facebook, we are still doing a live. And we have a, our cast here today to talk about current events. It's home team here today. <laughs> we got the great Jet with us. We got BizDoc. We got the man that went viral last week for his comments about Iran and women that some say he is fighting more for a woman of Iran than many women in Hollywood are fighting for yeah. women in Iran, which My is kind guy. of interesting to see that happen with our Assyrian Vinny Air Force Oshana. <laughs> and then to my right, we have Sauce Talks Money. Adam Sosling in the house. Yeah, great podcast you had yesterday. I thought it was way. great, man, mm. for Iran. I learned a lot about Iran. I learned a lot about uh, the issues that's going yeah. on over there. Waking people up. It was great to see the, the 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 exchange with how, you know, Iranians on one side look at Iran and issues versus yeah. other side. And then the, the panel did a great job. Paulette, Morteza, Nazani, Noor was yeah. a great podcast. You got to so, give a shout out to Paulette showing up. Never, I don't know if she's ever been on a podcast before. She was killing it. I thought she killed Something it. in the Bet David it. blood. She knows and what she's doing over there. He was, he, he was, bro, you want to talk about knowledge? The yeah. guy, and he could break your neck. Exactly. Well, I know yeah. about him. I know about you him know already. He's, he'll, he'll I break your neck. Dude, he shook my hand in the break, and I'm not joking. I yeah. got it. He had rings on. I did it. He crushed. How I did, actually went. How did like, things work out with you and the the... The nice lady that was right here. I thought you had strong feelings <laughs> I, about and her. And listen, How did that all, work out? all due respect, I a beautiful girl, and I, 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 I'm, I guess I'm so right leaning that the moment I heard, she was like, "Oh, I support all these things." Oh, and I mm. love CNN. My body just went. So you're so right leaning. You, you're blind. I'm not so you're right blinded. No, I'm not you can't so right even leaning. fall in love with a beautiful I, Iranian girl. I can't. No, that's the problem in America. It has nothing to do with the race. You thing. can't even. You can't. No, she, she said she donated to me. I was like, you donated to all these organizations, and now everybody wants you, the money. By the way, this is actually a very good question and a good topic mm -hmm. for you to you know talk about on your show. Mm -hmm. it, is it, what what is what increases the chance of a relationship working out? Similar faith or similar poli political beliefs? Meaning, mm -hmm. a Christian marries a Christian, but one's a socialist, one's a capitalist. Does that work out? Or a Christian marries a I don't know a, a Jew. But they both believe in capitalism. They're both conservative. Which marriage is going to work out? I mean, that's no, like... Well, po to the left, politics is a religion. So that becomes, <laughs> you know, a, a separate component. But folks on the left, they go. treat their politics like religion. So I dated... One of the first guys I dated was an economics professor who was hard left, makes Bernie Sanders look conservative. It was a disaster because you don't have a shared sense of values. You don't see the world the same way. Well, I was very young. I was 19 years old, so it lasted two and a half years. But and if he was I the were, professor, Jeff? If I were, yeah. If I were uh -oh. not, oh. if I were that growing up, that Believe sounds that. illegal. Don't listen. You're not going to turn this into sauce cast. <laughs> I'm using your words. <laughs> yeah. He was a professor. He was a professor. You're 19. You're a yeah, college yeah. student. I, I, yeah. Sounds inappropriate. I just, yeah. I want. Well, you know, I can only imagine how many times has this happened, Pat? We're like a couple's in bed, and they're like. Baby, like, I, I love you. Like, what do you want to do tomorrow? I'm going to get brunch. But before that, we're going to go right and vote. Who are you voting for? Biden. 
get the fuck out of the house. <laughs> you know what get out like of the house. <laughs> it's like that clip where uh, the boyfriend and the girlfriend are uh, wrestling and he's, uh, you know, tickling her and all of a sudden, boom, she lets one go. <laughs> and then you see the clip is like, here you go, here's your bag, yeah, get out, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> 100%. So who are you voting for tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get out. 100%. It's, She's it's, gotta go. Here's the part though. What, what to me is that, it, it's interesting, is that the conversations can be had because here's what I've learned. The more people from both sides talk to each other, the more it goes like this. I agree. That's all it is. The more both sides talk, there's going to be a pulling on both sides as it takes place. Anyways, let's get into the topics, okay? One of the topics we talked about yesterday that some actually believe it was debunked by Snopes, and it's the PayPal issue, which uh, was very, very interesting when we talked about it yesterday. So uh, what page is it on here? Uh, on the PayPal story, do you have it or do you not have it here on PayPal? Uh, let me see. Pa, 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 pa. I don't think seven. we have PayPal. Alexa, yeah, seven, seven, seven on the top. Trending okay, now. check this out with PayPal. That's right, page seven. So PayPal um, comes out a couple days ago, and uh, uh, this is a story. PayPal user agreement, agreement finding users up to $2,500 for promoting misinformation was sent in error. Spox says the updated PayPal acceptable use Policy effective November 3rd included an expansion of prohibited activities, which includes the ending, posting, or publication of messages, content, or materials that meet certain criteria. According to the updated PayPal user agreement, the company states that each violation could result in liquidated damages of $2,500 per violation, which would be withdrawn directly from their account. However, when contacted by Fox Business, a PayPal spokesperson said that the acceptable use policy notice went out in error and that the company will not find users the information, which, by the way, here's what I want you to do because of what was said yesterday. Go. So, so if we can get well, the camera on to look, show this. Look, this is why she thinks it's fake because Google is real-time editing the search engine results. Yeah. Results. This is why you don't use Google. This is straight-up propaganda. Go explain to me what go. you mean by this, though. Explain to me what you mean by this. So this, they did this first with uh, Robert Malone and the theory he had about um, – oh, son of a guy. Can't get the theory. Taking the, like, the uh, mass formation yeah. psychosis. Yeah. Yeah. It was when they first started doing this. What this says is they are editing the search results real-time. It looks like the results below are changing quickly. If the topic is new, quote-unquote, it can take time for reliable sources <laughs> to publish information. Check the source. Are they a trusted topic – Come back later. Other sources might have more information Yahoo in a few Finance. hours. Or but day. by the way, let's go to Snopes. Click on Snopes because uh, you got to see what Snopes says. So zoom in a little bit so everybody can see it. So the article says what? No, PayPal isn't planning on finding users $2,500 for posting misinformation. So the average person doesn't read the entire article ever to see what's being said. They only read the top. But as you go lower, you'll see who. Let me read the top. Hang on. I want to read this whole thing so the audience sees it. Here's what you should know about a since-deleted document supposedly outlining changes to the platform user agreement. Go a little lower. Supposedly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. In October 22nd, a document of providing advanced notice of changes to PayPal users noticing uh, uh, included a new rule about misinformation on the app, spurring news headlines and messages to Snopes asking what exactly the perpetrated uh, uh, change would mean. The document outlining PayPal's acceptable such-and-such such agreement, uh, uh, sending, posting, we just read that to you. And a $2,500 fine, we read that to you as well. Watch the however part, and then look what happens from there. However, users' concern about the uh, uh, purported, uh, how do you pronounce that Purported. Word? Purported. Change can relax. No such provision can relax. 
No such provision about misinformation is actually being added to the service user agreement, according to a PayPal spokesperson. In an email to Snopes, the spokesperson said the document didn't accurately reflect upcoming changes to the platform policies. So, again, most people, 80% by that time when they read it, I told you it's fake, it's not really happening, they don't finish the entire article. An AUP notice for the U.S. recently went out in error that included incorrect information. PayPal is not finding people for misinformation, and this language was never intended to be inserted in our policy. We're sorry for the confusion. What? This has caused. Pat, connect the dots for me. What is misinformation? I assume that has to do with what, you know, well, social but, media, but, but think, Twitter, but yeah. Instagram, but think about and PayPal. But yeah. think about exactly. There's. They that's got a, that's I'm trying to connect the dots. The whole here. question you yes. have to ask is. Why the timing now when it's exactly. three weeks away from what? What event is Election coming up? Election terms. Exactly. Okay. So keep going. It's unknown if or to what ex- extent other portions of the document were indeed upcoming changes to the pl- It's unknown. What do you mean it's unknown? It was publicly released. Additionally, we asked PayPal for an explanation of how and why the erroneous language about misinformation on the app was posted. But we received no reply. Okay, who's going to read all the way here? But we received no reply apart from the boilerplate statement quoted above, as of this writing, PayPal has deleted the entire document from its website. Uh, nonetheless, enough people had already seen it or heard of it, creating a social media campaign. Okay, so now watch this. David Marcus, it's hard for me to openly criticize a company I used to love and gave so much to. But PayPal's new AUP goes against everything I believe in. Mm-hmm. A private company now gets to decide to take your money if you say something they disagree with. Insanity. FYI, do you know who that guy is? Who? He's the Marcus. former president of PayPal. And you know who else he is? Oh, wow. Hardcore liberal. Oh, He's wow. followed by all the main liberal folk. This is not a Republican. Mm-hmm. This is not a conservative. This is somebody that's on the left, okay, who said this. Then right below, Elon Musk says, agreed. Keep going. Kevin Jenkins, every company has the right to be woke. And I have the right to boycott these pathetic companies. PayPal account closed. Go to the next one. There's more, by the way, on the bottom. So now here's what I want you to do. Go to stock market. And let's look at PayPal stock, how it did on Monday. Oh, yeah, this is just Type in PayPal stock. Probably PayPal. Not so no, uh, you have to lost. see this. You have to lost. see this. One day, they lost $5 billion wow. yesterday. Wow. Just so you know that. PayPal wow. lost $5 billion just yesterday. Not okay. the type of PR you, know, you need. Not you, know why? Type, and, and, you know why? Because they were spreading misinformation. And <laughs> FYI, here's what's crazy. <laughs> PayPal stock right now is what? $84, $84. give or take $84.52. You know what it was a year ago? What? $273. Oh, damn. From 273 to 84.52. So when I posted this on Twitter, a guy commented and he said, you know, this is the problem with capitalism. You guys have such a hard time with, you know, people who, this companies who decide to do this kind of stuff. Who cares if they want to take this position? You don't have any. And I said, I said, here's what I said. I said, you're right. Mm -hmm. You are right. They get to do this. But the audience of Disney, when Disney went woke, yeah, what happened? the stock mm-hmm. dropped 25%. However, when Nike defended Colin Kaepernick and signed him, you know what happened to Nike the oh, next week? Stock it blew up. Blew up. In so, a good way. So, In a good way. The point being, we're going to find out. It may be a good move for PayPal. The next day we found out it was a bad yeah. move, cost them $5 billion. Mm-hmm. So. What are your thoughts? When you see something so, like this, Jedediah, what do you think about this? Interesting comment you made because a lot of people will say things like that. They'll say, oh, if you're a capitalist, then these businesses have a choice to, to, to do these things. And I think that 
people when when people hear that they think of like a mom and pop shop oh it's a small business they make a decision okay that's not what's going on anymore when we talk about the system we're talking about these big companies that are holding hands with each other holding hands oftentimes with big government holding hands with big institutions like big pharma they're all together so this isn't just like paypal is some small company over here or disney some small company over here no these are big established companies large facebook twitter PayPal, YouTube, whatever it may be, they all Mm -hmm. get a top-down message from the top, Mm -hmm. from the system, often holding hands with big government establishments, often holding hands with big pharma, because big pharma, let's face it, funds a lot of these media organizations, often holding hands with big media, that means network television, to disseminate a certain message. So this isn't just like, oh, it's a little company over here doing what it wants. You can still hold the position that it's a private company, and they're entitled to do what they want, and look what happened, PayPal tanked, but you need to understand that there's a larger thing going on here and these people are holding hands and there is one message that gets disseminated from the top and then they all trail it out and all you need to look at everyone is look at all of the wars that were waged on misinformation and i say that in quotes over the last two years all those people got blacklisted they got suspended they got pushed off social media and oftentimes what they were saying actually wound up being true so just understand that there's a bigger paradigm going on here than just a little business saying oh i'm going to make my own decisions it's much bigger than yeah jets Somebody, somebody in the Democratic Party was like, listen, it's November's right around the corner. we got to make this change. And from going to you, Adam, just, just recently on a bunch of things that I'm just signing up for, even I'm monetizing on Instagram, the first thing they default to is, hey, you have to get paid through PayPal unless you want a different, like you want to put your bank account, which people never, I'm not putting my bank account. Everything goes through PayPal. That's why it's so, it's so connected. Because mm-hmm. if, if I say something accidentally wrong that I posted, like you said, I read a headline, I don't read the whole article, you're going to find me $2,500? Like, where is that going to come? Because that's connected to my, my bank account. So. I'll tell you one thing that what I agree with Jed, which said, here's what I learned from the Tate interview, is we talk about the system and mm-hmm. basically how there's this sort of spider web of who controls the top, yeah. is when we were interviewing Tate in Madrid, and he goes, so, you know, first I got canceled by all the big tech companies, right? Uh, all the big social media companies, Twitter, Instagram, Meta came first, and then YouTube, and then TikTok, and, but then it didn't stop there. And then it happened to be, the PayPal's of the world and the credit card process of the world, but it didn't stop there. All of a sudden, it's Uber and Airbnb and Discord. I'm like, what? How do all these things get interconnected? And I was basically joking, like, don't you think they're all basically on like a WhatsApp chat together or a text message thread together? And the answer was like, yeah, they mm-hmm. probably yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Tom, what are your thoughts on this? Well, you, you've got an election coming up and the the tech universe is still reeling over what they feel was Facebook misplaying the election for Trump. And if you look inside tech, they're still very critical of Zuck and Meta about Trump's election. There's a lot of criticism goes there. And so they're scared to death of all things social, and they're scared to death of equal time. True equal time results in voters moving. And I believe this was an intentional step that they were trying to influence and take a position. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply against the other the other opinion the other side equal time and i think they got burned in a nanosecond i think it's as simple as that simple as that for this to happen well listen bad policies have consequences bad strategies have consequences and there's a risk and paypal took a risk and they got backlash in a major way to find somebody on their opinion for twenty five hundred dollars whatever it is it's pathetic to me uh but uh they have the right to do this and we have the right to say no. You know, right after when I – if you go on Twitter, I posted right afterwards saying, hey, this is why capitalism works. People have responded and, and PayPal is taking their uh, – go to – click on the media. Yeah, click on media because it's going to block you. Just go yeah. – uh, oh, shit, it does that every time. Go a little lower. Go a little lower. Let's see if it will show it or not. Go one more, one more, one more right after that. Uh, go, uh, see, you have to log it in. Anyways, I said something about uh, the, the people have responded. And they've scared the crap out of uh, uh, PayPal. They're no longer doing a $2,500 fine. You know how many people below said the following? It's too late. I'm out. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I'm Just out. the fact that you mm-hmm. thought about doing that to me, I'm out. Mm-hmm. People didn't even give a second chance. Just the fact that you thought about finding yeah. me for what I believe in, mm-hmm. I'm gone using PayPal. And it's not a few of them. It was a mm-hmm. very good Monday for Stripe. It was a very bad day for PayPal. That's that's their competitors. Is, is oh, yeah. Stripe. Well, you talk about capitalism. Now you, I mean, right. you have Venmo. What's their stuff? You've got, like, you've yeah. got um, what's the other thing that you use with uh, Stripe? With, uh, Stripe? 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 Cash App? Zelle? I'm, Zelle? I mean, so there's options but, out there. Exactly. But here's the thing. All those people fall in line. Who banned Andrew Tate? Stripe. They, these all people fall online, and what do they do? They tell the right, the right, to go make their own platform, and then they take the freaking platform down. Yeah. <laughs> Look at Parler or Getter; they have to host on AWS Correct. or Salesforce or any of these big data farms and and servers. And what do those people do? They then take the platforms down. I mean, yeah, Par- it's, Parler it's was taken fact. down by an inf- infrastructure. Yes, yes. Infrastructure they literally took they down from the by the way, stores, from this, Google Play. Yeah, this doesn't work long term. I'm going to keep saying this: it will not work long term. Yep, it right. will not work long term. I'm going to keep saying this. It's not a Tulsi Gabbard just came out today and saying what she says. I'm leaving the Democratic Party. Did you guys see that? How amazing! How amazing. One minute video. She says I'm leaving the Democratic Party, and she doesn't say where she's going. She just said she's leaving the Democratic Party, right? And it's you can go on her Twitter. I don't know if you have it or not. If you want to just play it, uh, uh, you you send me the tweet. If you just want to play that up, just go to her Twitter account and you should. That's it. Right? Yeah, that's that's it right, right there. The left. Yeah. And where do you think she's going to go, Pat? Uh, think she's going to go to the right, or think she's going to stay right in the middle? No, I don't know. No, just when was this? Uh, uh, yeah. But let me ask you: Is anyone bit. shocked by this? Like, I, I feel no, like I'm she's so been bad. at war with the Democratic <laughs> Party for. I mean, it's like not, the Andrew Yang no, no, situation. Yeah. Say, say one thing. I, I'm not shocked by this whatsoever. But here's: This is not about being shocked, or not. I'm not. I'm not expecting anybody to be shocked. Mm-hmm. But you had a superstar on your side. Yep. You can't lose superstars like this on your side. You had Joe Rogan on your side. Mm -hmm. You had Elon Musk on your side. You had all these people on your side that you're losing. You cannot continuously lose superstars. The example was made yesterday about CNN versus Fox. 
And I said to uh, the, the lady that was here with us, Nazani Noor, I said, listen, most Persians in L.A., I don't know why, they're all on CNN camp. No, it's not true. It's 50, I said, it's not 50-50. No it's way. more like 60-40, if not higher. She says, no, it's 50-50. I said, okay, fine. I said, look at CNN. The model doesn't work. They lied for five, six, seven years, and people left them. Oh, you're saying Fox doesn't like? You don't think Fox has a, uh, what was the word she was using? Like, uh, they're like information, sens- sens- bias, sens- 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 bias. Of course they're biased. Yeah. Of course they're biased. They're selling. But they're giving you information. The left is just repeating the same thing over and over again in CNN specifically and MSNBC. Look what happened to their viewership. And I give the example. I said, you ever had somebody talk shit about a restaurant that's busy and you go to it, you're like, why is she talk so many bad things about a restaurant? But I, every time I go there, I got to wait 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Why is this restaurant so bad? I said, CNN is a restaurant that's empty while people say it's great. Fox is a restaurant that's full while people say it sucks. Yeah. Eventually, people get to go and eat food at a place yep. that's full to say, what the hell is going on yep. here? Mm-hmm. People are starting to ask, maybe I have something wrong and I got to hear a different perspective. That's all it is. That's yeah. why a lot of these podcasts are doing good. Yeah. Joe Rogan today to the world is considered a Republican. And the last thing he is. It's a Republican. Yeah, I don't mean, think he's right. a Republican. He said he's not. No, and, and, no, no. To the left, he's a Republican. Yeah, yeah, I didn't say he's a Republican. Yeah. To the left, he's a Republican just because he's asking questions. Did you guys see the clip with the Rolling Stones founder being on his podcast yesterday or like sometime this uh, week? Yes. Did the one see? that he annihilated. Is that yeah. the one? Yeah. Did you see that? I saw some of it. Where, yeah. Who was he? he? He's like the government should regulate. They're uh, better internet. at regulating the who internet. Who was on? Yeah, and yeah, and, it's, a, uh, it's a great clip of him just like taking down this person has this kind of sense of oh the government like the government does yeah. good and the government can be transformed. I mean, Rolling Stone gov- magazine, and, yeah, Jan Winner. Yes, that's I don't exactly know who, who the it guy is. was. Yeah, but it was it was a, it was a yeah, vicious. Yeah, well, that's exactly who it is. That's exactly who it is. I was on. Don't play it, but that's exactly who it is. Mm-hmm. And Joe just challenged him over and over and over and over. And and the guy is just oblivious. He's like, no, you know, that's exactly what it is. The government's better at it. The government's better at it. The government's better at it. He says, it's not the politician. It's the government. And Joe says, that's the government. No, it's the politician, Joe. That's the government. No, it's politicians. Mm-hmm. That's the government, That's the dude. government. Kept going back and forth. Yeah. So people, through dialogue and exchange and conversations, are starting to really... Yeah. Ask questions, yeah. Yeah. which is kind of cool. And tell, go ahead, go ahead, Jennifer. When you say like the, the Democrat Party needs the Tulsi Gabbards, or the Joe Rogans, you know, you're thinking about policy because Joe Rogan is someone and Tulsi Gabbard as well. They come out, they support things like single payer. They support policies that Democrats like, but they're not representative of the left anymore. I mean, AOC is representative of the left. This hard, woke stuff, this stuff that talks about kids and surgeries with to, you know, gender surgeries and you know, gutting, um, you know, everything that really made the country great in terms of freedom and values, that that is what the left represents. So I don't think there's a home for them anymore there. The question for me becomes, where do those people go? Where do the Joe Rogans, who still espouse a lot of policies similar to what the left used to be, where do they find themselves? Like, where does Tulsi Gabbard go? Does she hop on a debate stage now and present a problem for the left and right? Because she's a common sense person. She doesn't align herself with one side or the other. I think think that's good. Let her hop on that debate stage and force the Ron DeSantis's of the world, and it's not going to be Joe Biden, so Kamala Harris, whoever, force them to be better at what they do. Challenge them. The, the, the problem is, is that I don't know how somebody like a Tulsi gets elected because she's conservative in some sense, but then you look at issues like abortion and you look at single payer 
and and people like people want someone who fits in a box. You know, people still want that. They're going to be confused by a Tulsi Gabbard. They're going to be confused by a Joe Rogan. But I think yeah. the market needs someone like a Tulsi Gabbard or even an Andrew Yang, someone in, in the, the middle debate, to, for sure. to challenge both sides. Yep. I mean, it's if you look at both parties, I mean, who's going to be supportive of the whether it's the DNC or the RNC, you got to have someone behind you. Mm-hmm. We've learned that from multiple people that have been on here. Unless you have a party behind you, a platform behind you, it's going to be hard to basically galvanize your party right Mm -hmm. i mean mean, the trump self-funded so he kind of there was not a lot of people in the rnc were basically behind trump but you know because he had his own money he was doing his own thing but i think there's such a yearning and such a fervor out there for someone in the middle ground common sense that uh, whether it's a tulsi or a yang or whoever's in the middle that the country does want something like that i just don't know if the but her question is where do they go yeah her well, question that, is, where did it go? Well, like, I can't, a new party? me looking at her, like, that's a great clip that yeah. she said this morning. Freedom, you know, all of, fantastic. I'm not going to vote for her because she supports single payer. She's still a big government girl. She's just a big government girl that's not grounded in woke crazy. She'd, she'd be the, the lesser of the two evil. Like, I would rather, if mm-hmm. I was on the, if I was a left or Democrat, I would go for someone like her and just deal with some of that BS instead of the extremeness that because what she said was amazing. Everything that she's saying is on point. Yeah, let me read the story by John Stewart. John Stewart passionately defends medicalized transitioning of young children. Uh, he de- delved into the national conversation surrounding gender ideology in his latest episode of The Problem with John Stewart, and in doing so, he fully endorsed medical gender transition for children and teens. Uh, Stewart spoke of Leslie spoke to Leslie. Rutledge, attorney general for Arkansas, if you've not seen this, I highly recommend seeing this, and went into the interview with the idea that he needed to re-educate her, that he was an expert on gender dysphoria and trans youth. Arkansas banned the practice. Stewart believes that those politicians who are interested in protecting children from drugs and surgeries to treat gender dysphoria are the problem and not a medical industry that prescribes Lupron Depot. Uh, off-label to uh, treat gender dysphoria when the manufacturer does not recommend it for that use. It was developed to treat prostate cancer and is used to chemically castrate sex offenders. The FDA found that drug can cause brain swelling and vision loss. Mm -hmm. Jed. Yeah, so this is really important to understand because when we talk about the system, this is the next cash cow. This is the next big venture that's going to make the left money. Um, Planned Parenthood, I covered on my show, is now making these gender transitions a priority. In addition to abortion, they are prioritizing doing uh, drug therapy for kids um, that come in the door, they want to, you know, accept this. And, and this is a big pharma umbrella. Everyone needs to realize big pharma stands to benefit and make an enormous amount of money out of this. So what you're going to see is you're going to see folks on the left. They're going to come in. They're going to support this. Um, this is the system at work. This is the next big issue also. And I will remind you over and over again, if you are going to seize a country, you have to go for the children. You have to go for two groups. Actually, you have to go for young, healthy, strong men. You need to take them down. You need to make them weak. And then you need to go after kids. And that is what is happening right now, which is why you see the drag shows for kids. You see all of this stuff going on in schools. You see the indoctrination of kids. This is a plan to convert kids young, to grab them. Also, remember, you make them drug dependent. These people, once they start on these hormone therapies, that's a lifetime customer for big pharma. So there is a big vision here of 
brainwash the kids, get the parents involved. This is right here what you see, this craziness. This is your modern Democrat Party. But, but what's the role of the parents here? Because if there's a 12-year-old kid that wants to do this, I'm sorry, you know, Timmy mm-hmm. or Sally, what do the parents have to say about this? I mean, well, this, is, the, this is nuts to me. Well, because the, you know, the parents are listening to Jon Stewart. The parents no. are listening to mainstream media all the time. The parents are, remember, keep in mind, these, these media companies are in large part funded by pharma. I will guarantee you that you are going to see commercials. It's going to trickle out. You saw it, what happened with the vaccine. You're going to see commercials trick out. You already see the targeting of parents where parents are told that their kids will be suicidal if they don't embrace these changes, if they don't support their five-year-old little boy who says, I'm a girl, like my son come, wakes up one day and says, oh, I'm a monkey, mommy. I'm supposed to believe that now. Mm-hmm. They are being targeted and told if you don't support this, then your kid may be suicidal and it's going to be on you. So these kids are, these parents are told, bring your kids to therapy. They go into these ther- therapy sessions. There's a lot of brainwashing that gets involved. They take drugs way early. And then once they hit 18 or 17, actually, in some cases, which has been discovered, then it becomes time for massive surgeries that are life-changing, life-altering, and can't be undone. Well, let me ask you, Jed, because you're a parent. I'm not a parent. Okay, on one hand, this is not something that I'm, like, cool with or even familiar with, for that matter. I don't have kids, like, and I'm very protective of my nephew. I'm like, you're a boy, bro. We're playing sports. (laughs) Yeah. That's very much me. Um, But at the same time, if you're a parent Mm -hmm. and you believe this BS and you fall victim to it, that's your decision. You make bad decisions, you have to live with your consequences. Well, you're That's ma- on the parent, no? Well, you're making- Whether it's the media or whoever you're listening to, isn't that on the parent? Well, yeah, but they're making decisions for their children. That's so, what I'm saying. Well, I mean, how far? Sure. You I mean, should, you can say you're a legal parent- guardian in the sense of you being a legal guardian of your child. A hundred percent. But the, you realize the whole system is completely broken. You now have kids. I know Tyler would have good stats on this probably. The number of kids that are now identifying as you know they're saying i'm transgender is blowing up it's right. like double what it was just a, a few years it's ago it's like cool to this do. is a yeah. social the cool kids yes. their pants. this is what's happening this yeah. is like you go on tiktok <laughs> this is the new thing kids that are lost kids that are feeling confused you you have a bad day now you're like oh maybe i'm the wrong mm-hmm. gender so honestly we live in a deeply sick society if you have parents now that are hopping on board with that right. you're, you're supposed to be a parent but you're that's my point better. isn't it on the parents to beg listen I know know that, you know, all the kids in school are saying this, but let me teach you. Like, for instance, Pat has kids all within, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, elementary school age. If God forbid one of your kids was saying this, you would have a heart to heart with with one of the kids and say, listen, here's how life works. You would have this conversation. Adam, I I think um, this is a very complex issue here. And I'll I'll give you my uh, feedback on this and then we can go from there. I can only have influence over my kids so much. This morning I was watching a you know a TikTok. I'm watching one video of Trump talking about his brother. And he said, my brother Fred was more handsome than me, was better speaking than me. He was more charming than me. He was better at telling story than me by far. And he said, but my brother told me, and he was much older than me. He said he kept telling me, don't drink, don't drink, don't smoke, never drink, never smoke, never drink. Never smoke. He says he told me that so many times. So guess what? Till today, I've never touched alcohol once in my life, and I've never smoked a cigarette in my life or drugs. This guy that everybody criticizes, a great example of a guy who's never drank, never done drugs, never done any of that stuff, and he told his kids three things with me. No alcohol, no drugs, no tattoos. That's what he expected, and I think Junior one time partied for like a few months, and then his dad called him, and he says, you can't be doing this kind of stuff. But that was his standard, right? Okay. He said the point he used... The word he uses, somebody had a positive influence over my life. Alcohol 
took my brother's life because he struggled with it forever. He eventually died because of alcohol, his older brother. There's only so many hours I'm around Dylan or Tico or Senna or Brooklyn. I can't be around them 24-7. I can't stop my entire life and be around them. Now, I have the means to do that financially. 99% of people can't just stop everything in their life and say, excuse me, job, I have to go do this. They're going to get fired. It's not fair to them. So imagine if all of a sudden your kid's coming home talking about, mom, I want to go through a transgender because I identify this. I want, I want to be that. The parent is helpless. There's no feeling like truly being helpless. Like, what can I do in this moment? I'm not talking about the mom that's not involved. I'm not talking about the mom that's doing drugs, that's partying, that's all that stuff. Put that as a 5%, whatever the moms that don't take, uh, 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 but 95% do. I'm not talking about the dad that's not in the life. Take take 10% of that or whatever percentage. It's probably more than mom. So fourth, I'm saying 20. I don't know what the numbers are. Be, but you you set that aside. It's the person that's trying to be a good parent that's sitting there saying, what the hell do I tell my kids? So now, this morning, I'm sitting there saying, okay. How much of this is real? Oh, my God, John Stewart, you make a lot of sense. These poor kids. Can you imagine being stuck in a body and they're suicidal? These kids are killing themselves. They're suicidal. Are they suicidal because they're being transgender? Are they suicidal because you keep feeding them this bullshit that they start believing? So then I said, who was the first transgender person in the history of mankind? Was it in 600 BC? Was it during biblical times? Was it in 200 AD? Was it in 600 AD? Oh, it must have been around a long time because this transgender stuff's got to be a few thousand years. No, it's less than 100 years. Yep. You'll see a couple names. Here's one, Lily Elby, that'll come up. Birth name, Einar Wegener, also spelled Einar, okay? Danish painter who was assigned male at birth. Assigned male, uh, what the hell does assigned male at birth means? Experienced what is now called gender dysphoria, underwent the world's first documented sex reassignment surgery. And how long of a life is that right there? 49 years? What is that? 18 plus uh, 31? 49 years? Okay. Less than 49 years. Died at 48 years old. Why would somebody die at 48 years old? I don't know. There's another one that you see a story that comes up. There's another one that's called uh, Michael uh, uh, Dillon. If you look at this one here, Michael Dillon, just type in Michael, uh, D-I-L-L-O-N, Michael, D-I-L-L-O-N, D-I-L-L-O-N. Here's another one that comes up. This is another one that was a, uh, uh, put transgender in it, so you see it, just type in transgender. Okay, there you go. Uh, first trans man to undergo whatever you call that, plasty. okay. Dillon was a second child of Robert Arthur Dillon, born uh, uh, heir to... Baron, Baron, whatever it is, is Ireland and his Austrian wife, such and such. You know, Dylan's mother died of, uh, and then boom, this guy wants to become a transgender. So, Pat, we're learning something here. This is very new. This is very recent. But what I'm saying to you is this is a, this is not real. It's a phenomenon. This is a faith. challenge a person faced, and we don't know the whole to psychoanalyze what this person was going through. Mom or dad molesting the kid or going through uncle or rape or you don't know the whole shit to say, oh, poor guy went through this. Yes, poor guy may have lived a horrible life. This doesn't mean everybody else that's going through this should say, it's okay. So when you say the parents have the consent, so let's just say if I, as a, if a parent says, I want to take my kid's life, and that's the parent's decision because is that okay? 
at what point are we drawing the line to say, this doesn't make any sense? Mm-hmm. I understand this is under the authority of a parent. It's just logically and emotionally and common sense. This shit doesn't make sense. So you cannot create this kind of a climate where parents who don't have the means feel helpless, that they can't do nothing, and that's what's going on today. And if there's anything I don't like is when I see somebody that can't help defend for themselves, I can't stand there and say, oh, you know, it is what it is, bro. The guy's got to do what he's got. That's what's happening today to the climate. So parents feel like they have their hands you know, handcuffs and shackles, mm-hmm. and I can't move and do nothing about it. That's a very tough place to be. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Pat. And I think there's a there's two things here that I'm going to talk about. One is repression, and one is suggestion. The left really believe that these are suppressed thoughts that are inside us, that we just need to liberate them and make them okay, and all these kids can come out, and they can get help, and they can get reassigned. What they don't understand is it's really suggestion that's happening in the mind of these kids and acceptability. If you show—I can do it in 10 minutes—you show— praise to a kid for doing something a little off, then they'll do something that's a little off or a little funny because the kids want the praise of their teachers, of the people around them. So the kids are going to go that way. The left will say, see, they're repressed and now it's coming out because they're being shown it's okay. And you're right. The parents need people in there not to be, you know, misappropriating the authority lines in the school that the parents have. And so now what they want to do is, well, then the kid will go down to a counselor at school. We won't tell the parents because we have a moral authority over the parent because there's a moral imperative to let this kid's repression come out. And they think it's repression. It's really suggestion. And what ends up is the whole left machine comes out on that, leaving the parent helpless. That's what's happening. And it's it's wrong. And by the way, the stuff Lupron that they're talking about, yeah. Lupron was originally brought forth for a thing called precocious puberty, where the pituitary gland starts too early and girls are getting their growth spurt as young as five five years old. So Lupron was a good drug designed to suppress that. This is something I personally know a lot about. And it helps. Now we're taking this drug and Basically, using it for gender reassignment is actually a discovered side effect of this drug. And they're like, but wait a minute. Look what we can do with it. We can chemically castrate people. We can give it to 12 and 13-year-old girls, suppress the pituitary gland, suppress their development so that we can reassign them as males. This this (laughs) is as bad as the Nazis testing drugs. And they were testing drugs. This is bad. They're testing this and using a, a side effect that's known in Lupron to say, oh, it's got this great societal benefit. Bull. So they don't have to test this drug. They don't have to go to the FDA because it's already there. So the side effect is going to make them double this the money. This drug has been used for precocious – look it up. It's called yeah. precocious puberty. It's a condition in, in young girls, very young girls. It has a designated effect. It's expensive as hell, by the way. Yeah, I can imagine. It's like seven grand a quarter. Mm-hmm. So it's $28,000 a year this stuff is. Yeah, right? by the way. There it is. When puberty ain't... begins in girls before eight, nine yeah. and boys consider precocious puberty. All it is is the pituitary gland waking up a little too early. And we got to tell the pituitary gland, hey, chill out for a couple years and then go do your thing so this person can develop into normal adulthood. What were you going to say, Jen? No, I was just going to say you mentioned the FDA. Yeah. So just keep in mind the FDA is bought and sold. <laughs> yeah. The FDA is part of the system. Yeah, the FDA for sure. people at the FDA change hands with the CDC, that change hands with big government, yeah. that change hands with big pharma. They all, if you watch, go watch Dope Sick. Spend some time and watch Dope Sick. I'm 
telling you guys. I think this is a really interesting conversation. I know you have a lot of people that watch that are parents. There are two types of parents that are struggling right now. Well, one is struggling and one is a robot. You have parents that have their eyes wide open and are looking at what's going on and see what's going on in schools and they have their heads on straight. So they see what's happening and they want to do something. But the problem is those kids are in schools all day long getting indoctrinated. They now go up and parents don't even know what's going on. Oftentimes the schools will not get consent. We've covered schools where the schools, the kid shows up to school as a boy, leaves the house, shows up at school, tells the teacher, I'm a girl, and goes throughout the entire school day being referred to as a girl. How does that kid then go home back to, you know, his family? And what does the parent do? That's been how many hours a day that that child has been Mm -hmm. inculcated in heaven knows what. There's a second group of parents, though, that need to be talked about. And these are the robots. These are people who have absorbed. You talk about, you know, Adam, you mentioned, oh, parents, you know, isn't it up to them? There is a segment of society that's increasing and growing and ballooning that just absorbs whatever you tell them. People have lost their backbone. This started with academia and how everyone's told to sit down and shut up. You're not supposed to be a free thinking person anymore. You're not supposed to challenge authority. You're not supposed to challenge the status quo. So you have parents that listen to something like Jon Stewart. It's horrible to say, and they're like a little sponge and they just absorb it and they say, well, this must be what's going on. CNN said it. Mainstream media said it. Jon Stewart said it. This is what's happening. And then they become part of the club and they have stopped thinking for themselves. I know we have expectations as adults who are free thinking that other adults would be free thinking. That is not always the case. And then those people have children and their mess becomes their child's mess, which is why you see kids running around right now with their masks on, afraid to take them off, afraid of social settings because neurotic parents gave that to their children. So they pick up on that stuff. So What I want to see happen is I want the parents who have their head on straight to walk into those schools and say enough. They need to take authority over the situation. They need to rip their kids out of schools if they can. If they can't, they need to do whatever they can to battle this stuff. And other people out there that have turned into robots, you need to wake up. You need to wake up instead of becoming a steward of the system. Well, and real quick, I I think there's a third group of parents that we're not addressing here. And these are the parents that legally cannot do anything in states like Washington, where you don't you don't have to have parental consent to have gender transition surgery. Or if you take your child to a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist affirms the child's beliefs that they are transgender and the parent pushes back, the parent is now being arrested for child abuse. Mm -hmm. There are parents in states that cannot do anything by law because they'll be arrested. So and the kids will be forcibly weird. removed from the parents. So who do you guys think is the main, the, the biggest influence for a, a child in a school, you know, 12, 13, 14, that's getting that in their head? Is it, because I mean, if they're on TikTok, China owns TikTok, and like Bidjad, you were saying, they're trying to demasculize men and make the men weak. That's the perfect way to do it is from within. Because those people, and I am keep going down the, the, the line, they're not going to have kids. Overpopulation, we've been hugely overpopulated. Everybody's been saying it. Bill Gates has been saying it forever. There's too <laughs> many people on the planet, those people are not having kids. To answer your question in the schools, K-6, there is one person at the front of the class Mm -hmm. and they do not change classes for subjects. That K-6 teacher has more influence over them in terms of total hours of influence and suggestion and reinforcement than the parent does. It's the K-6. Seventh grade, they start going around, they have a math teacher, a science teacher, they start changing classes. Mm -hmm. But K-6, those formative years, it's that person standing at the front of the class. It's actually the guidance counselor too, just having worked in schools for a really long time. It's actually the guidance counselor. I've sat with guidance counselors that will talk to me about how they keep stuff from parents, how they will have conversations with the kids about stuff that's 
you know, medical, and they won't share it with the parents, how they will are happy to refer to a child as a different gender if the kid so desires, even though that is not something that the parents approve of, happens all the time in guidance counselor rooms. Is, so that's is there it. any way to have kids, you know those cops were those things that you can see whatever the hell the cop is doing at any moment? I think they should put something body on cam. it. Body body cam. People no. have been pushing for cameras I'm in classrooms. And I'm not, say, I'm not saying one no. in the classroom because that's, you know, that's invasion of everybody's privacy. Whose privacy? I want Wait, hang on, kid. but whose privacy is that invading? No, I'm, if I'm you put saying, a camera in a classroom, what are you trying to hide? No, I, I agree. No, I agree. What I'm saying is to make it personal. If I'm Pat and I want to see what Dylan is doing at <laughs> any time, I want to push the freaking button. I'm like, who the who are you talking to him about this and this and that? And then I, you know, what I mean, is there any way to get a little bit more involved? Because mm-hmm. mind you, like I, me and Adam don't have any kids. Hearing this type of stuff from you guys that do have kids makes me even more of like a, I don't, I'm fine. I People wanna... do that for their babysitter and convalescent exactly. homes right. for their yeah. parents. They yeah. say your elderly father, you, he's got some bruises on his forearm and you're like, is some nurse coming in here grabbing yeah. him? So you put a camera right. in his retirement facility and you do it for your babysitter. Well, I, I w- but listen to me, I'm hell not, upon you if you try to do it in the classroom. Let me uh, ask you parents here, Pat. We, I mean, we all grew up in the 80s for the most part, BizDoc a little before that. Um, is it more, well, I mean, is it more <laughs> of a challenge to raise kids today more than ever, right? Mm-hmm. With social media, yes. with everything you're talking about, about like sort of like Ask the big why, brother though. approach. Ask why. That's what I want to know. Why, why is do, Why do you think? Tell me. I want you to think, and you don't have kids. I want you to think. Why do you think it's harder today than it was when we were 12 years old, six years old? In the I, I mean, the, the, the. The first answer that would have to be social media, just because okay. it has a greater influence than anything we've yep. ever seen with our kids. I mean, growing up, I mean, I was the kid that we would always just play sports in the front yard. Yeah. That's all it was. Yeah. Right? This was pre-beeper, pre-cell phone, pre-social media. Yep. There was no influence over your life other than at school. So, right? So can I, can I, uh, uh, that's one. So here, give me the easiest product to sell. What's an easy product? Let's say we, we all become salespeople. Okay. And Tyler's our sales leader. He wants to teach us how to sell this product. What's an easy product to sell? Car. Okay, cool. Uh, what kind of a car? Just a regular car. Tell you all the Corolla, okay. which I have, what's which is an amazing. Easy, what's an easy thing where the average person can learn how to sell? Can we say phone? Ice cream. Yeah. How to I sell mean, an <laughs> iPhone? Okay, yeah. no, honestly, let's just... Certain ideas. Okay, I let's just say iPhone. Valley's total fitness? If, if you're trying to sell an iPhone, how do you sell an iPhone versus a droid? You have to talk about its features, its benefits, green, why it's superior green product. Bubbles. Green bubbles. Green yeah. bubbles green versus bubbles. blue. Yeah. FaceTime. Yeah. When you're, yeah. uh, when you're you flying, you can text bubble. everybody. FaceTime. Just easier to use. Easier to use. It's tied to the music, all this stuff. So, it's an, so out of 100 people, if we try to train in one hour, can we train out of 100 people uh, uh, on people to learn how to sell an iPhone hour later? Can oh, we yeah. do that? So. Okay. So what else is easy to sell? A pen. membership. Yeah, a pen. What else is easy to sell? Clothes. Yeah. What's easy Clothes. to sell? Okay. So what's hard to sell? What is a hard product to teach someone to sell that takes months and months Insurance. and months and months to sell? Insurance. What else? Stuff that's expensive. Financial products. But give me, give me specific. I want specific. What do you think is hard to teach somebody to sell? I think okay. it's very hard to teach them to sell like, you know, life insurance and annuities. They're technical. The benefits are what there. But what about fashion? Like clothes? Nothing like that? No, no, no. Technical. Oh, you'll, te- look, technology. you'll look great and you can get laid. I want that, I want that top. Right. I want that. That's the product. <laughs> but but here's, here's the point I'm trying to make to you when I'm saying like what's hard to sell, what's easy to sell. In the 80s, every product you ever sell comes up with a set of FAQs. Some it's five frequently asked questions. So tell me, what is the chances that if I buy this real estate property, the market's going to go down? 
Well, how do I protect myself against it? Well, John, Mary, are you buying this house because you're planning on leaving, living here for two years? Or are you planning to buy, live, live this place for 10 years? No, we're at least going to live in this place for 10 years. Well, historically, in the last 10 years, if you look at what's happened to real estate, never has real estate gone down lower than 10. So you give that kind of a rebuttal. You got five frequently asked questions. Some technical products, 20. Some extremely technical products, 5,200. Parents in the 80s had 20 FAQs. Where do babies come from? <laughs> okay. Mommy, how much love was there in this house that we had a baby? My teacher told me babies come because if there's a lot of love in the house and then babies are born. So if we only have one baby and they have five, does that mean our household doesn't have enough love like the other household has? Mm -hmm. No, son, that's not really where babies come from. But tell me. So tell me what happens when we die. Are you going to die one day? Like these questions Mm -hmm. that kids ask, we ask our parents. Can you imagine today one of the FAQs (laughs) you got to give to a parent is what's a transgender and am am I one? Mommy, am I gay? Am I lesbian? Hey, mommy, let me ask you a question. Why did you not take the vaccine? Why aren't we taking a vaccine? My teacher told me it's irresponsible to not take the vaccine. Mm. Are we taking a vaccine? Mm. The FAQ of parenting today is the size of a Bible. And parents just can't keep up anymore. That's the biggest, in my opinion, that's the biggest difference of parenting in the 80s versus today. It's like in the 80s, you needed an associate degree to be a parent. Today, you need a PhD to be a parent. Wow. You need to go train to learn how to answer some of these complex questions with kids. Good point. It's a challenging time to have kids. I think we've also lost community. When I was growing up, I knew the names of all my neighbors. That's right. Today, you don't know the names. Your name, If your neighbor says hello to you, they're being nosy and you're like worried. <laughs> I can remember I was seven years old. I go walking down the street toward the end of the neighborhood. And the neighbor drives by. He rolls down his window. And he called me. He says, Tommy. He said, yeah, where are you going? Because he knows I live way down there. I live like five houses down. And what's a seven-year-old walking here? I'm running away from home. Why are you doing that? Because I'm mad. He stops his car, opens the door, stands up. You go home right now. And I'm calling your mom to tell you tell her that you were down here walking toward the main street. And so I got home because he's calling my parole officer, telling her that. <laughs> you remember this. I remember wow. this. I was seven years old. And so guess what? That doesn't happen today. You don't talk to my kid. You don't yell at my kid. Mm-hmm. But that father was part of the community yeah. of the neighborhood. And we weren't all Republicans. We weren't all Democrats. There is different views there. But there is a community that's been lost in America. You don't know your neighbors and you don't trust your neighbors. There was a time when he thought that, I should tell this kid. And all. what is the only thing he did? Get home. I'm calling your mom. That was it. By the time I got home, says, where were you? <laughs> I was walking down toward the main road. And why were we doing that? And now, guess what? I got this, That's it. this moment with my mom. I'm in my room. And I'm waiting for my dad to get home because oh. I'm not supposed to be doing this. And we all just learned that Bizdoc used to be called Tommy. Tommy. Because I was little, and it's the nickname for little kids. That's such an important thing you're talking about, community, though, and that that's been lost. And there are so many parents, Tom, that are now trying to recapture that because it's exhausting to to, to all those questions that Pat spouted off before. It's true. You have to think what your kid could come home and ask. There's a lot of people, though, now that want that a little bit of that simplicity back, and they're moving off the grid. They're going into the small towns. You see a lot of people leaving the New York cities. They're leaving the Miamis. They're leaving the you know even the austin texases and they're heading out into into get some land and get and get that sense of community where they're they can raise their child in a place that's not woke that's not crazy where the the the, the school actually teaches them you know reading writing and math and not you know propaganda 
all day long and they don't have to worry about indoctrination and that they know their neighbors and there is a sense of community because think about it too, you know, the privileged can hire help, can do this, but people need community. Often hardworking people go to work every day and they like the idea that their kid is part of a, of a town where that becomes the family. They, You all kind of raised each other back in the day. I remember, you know, my neighbors were like aunts and uncles and that was a beautiful thing. When you strip that away, it leaves people feeling very isolated. It leaves people in lower income brackets struggling. And then what do they do? They have to put their kids into the system. And mm-hmm. that then creates the whole paradigm we were talking about before where the kids get indoctrinated. So that whole sense of community is vital and important. And I think more and more people around the country are realizing it and trying to get it back. I you agree. know where it shows up a lot? I agree. It shows up a lot. It shows up a lot in homeschooling because homeschooling creates networks of families together that agree in one thing. The school is whack and we're going to homeschool. I love it. You whack. It's true. And so, but no, but, but look what builds up. Relationships build up, you know, mm-hmm. because somebody teaches science because they knew that or they hire a tutor to be part of that. And homeschooling families, there's, you know, huge community that's growing out of that, out of not going up to the mountains and all being weird people, right? This isn't deliverance and homeschool. (laughs) This is just a community of people pulling together and saying, hey, we're going to homeschool, so are we, and they meet all these other families, and there's resources for them, there's ACT testing, and you know what? Guess what they also discover? They also discover this community of common citizens. Yep, fantastic uh, exchange there, Adam. Hopefully, you got enough fear to consider <laughs> when you're going to be having kids, you and Vinny, both of you guys. So let's go to uh, J.P. Morgan uh, and what Jamie Dimon just said. This is serious. J.P. Morgan's Jamie Dimon warns U.S. likely to tip into recession in six to nine months. It's interesting when he says six to nine months as if we're not in recession today. But when Jamie Dimon speaks, you at least have to hear what he is saying. Jamie Dimon said on Monday, warned that there's a very, very serious mix of headwinds was likely to tip both the U.S. and global economy into recession by the middle of next year. Dimon, chief executive of the largest bank in the U.S., said that the U.S. economy was actually still doing well at present and consumers were likely to be in better shape compared with 2008 global financial crisis when the world tips into recession among the indicators ringing alarm bells. Dimon cited the impact of runway inflation, interest rates going up more than expected, and unknown effects of quantitative easing and Russia's war in Ukraine uh, being said. Now, there's a lot of other things. By the way, while this is happening, Bernanke gets a Nobel Prize, and Michael Burry just tweeted out this morning, a few hours ago, saying Bernanke gets the Nobel Prize in economics, not a joke, meaning they really gave this guy a <laughs> Uh, Nobel Prize in economics after the way they did quantitative easing back in 2008. So, Tom, what are your thoughts about what Jamie Dimon just said about uh, recession being in the next six to 12 months? Well, first of all, remember, Jamie speaks for the banking industry, so there's some benefits to himself in there. He is not completely altruistic here. But the second part of it is he has been a fairly balanced barometer. You know, if, if I ever became president, I'd want Jamie Dimon to be my secretary of treasury because he's a balanced guy and he's pragmatic and i think he's looking at a lot of the things here i was looking this morning and there's some very interesting economic stats out that in the last 60 days we've seen a tick down in spending on restaurants travel 
high and also what they they measure high end foods because they do this uh, average basket between like a Whole Foods and like a Albertsons. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Between the two different levels of it, and people are interestingly. They're not budging on all their uh, on Spotify, Netflix, Disney yeah. Plus, and Hulu. They're not budging, but they're moving off of restaurant spending and things. So I think the consumer data that's out there that Jamie's looking at is that the consumer is in. By the way, look what he says: better shape than the 2008 financial crisis. Well, that's like saying, "Boy, you look in better shape this week than uh, three years ago when you're fighting prostate cancer." Like, I mean, that comparison is pretty big because 2008 was was a huge huge bomb going off and i i think he's right uh and there's consumer data that's showing it and what people you know are are spending and i i think and we're seeing it in the real estate the real estate market pat and i've been talking about this for how many months now how many short clips have we got vt short clips go back and look at them folks we've been talking about this for a while housing prices now are starting to tip and seriously tip and what have we got for um, interest rates right now? I think it's officially six and three quarters, isn't it, Pat? For like a six fifty yeah. credit, so solid credit for a thirty year fixed mortgage. So not too technical. Just look at a typical mortgage like that, and we're six point seven five percent now, and it's not going to be a half a percent in December. It's looking more like it's going to be three quarters of a percent. So I think Diamond is looking at consumers. He's looking at housing, and he's looking at a Fed that's going to move it again. Uh, December 10th to 15th. Bank rate. I just looked at it right now. Tyler, if you want to pull it up, 6.89 is the bank rate right now. It's almost 7. 30-year fix, yes. Here we come. 6.88, about 7. I think it's going to get to 10%. And I'm, I'm, I said this a With while you. back. People thought I was crazy. I said gas prices are going to go to $10. They said, And I said this two years ago, two and a half years ago. You can't spend money like the way we did without prices going up and trying to fake it. It's just it's not possible. And, and the biggest thing is, so this last week, I had a, a, some of the biggest money managers of Morgan Stanley Dean would fly out uh, last Friday. They were here. We had a lengthy meeting together. And these are the best of the best at what they do out of New York. We had a very good meeting together. And I had a meeting with uh, my Goldman Sachs folks as well the week prior to that. Let me tell you what both are concerned about. Um, both are concerned about the fact that this thing's not going to slow down. It's going to keep going down. They're not optimistic at all about 2023 whatsoever. Um, Inflation is not going away. Powell said, we're going to keep increasing rates and keep them high until inflation hits what number? 2%. You know what inflation's at right now? Go look at what inflation's at right now. What's current inflation right now? Okay, current inflation right now, if you look at this, okay? Current inflation right now, if you look at it, is 8.3%. 8.3, 8, yeah, 8.3%. Wow. You know, if you go to current inflation rates, go from 2000 to 2022, click on the calculator right there. Let's take a look at this. Zoom in a little bit. Ah, oh, man, I wish we could go in to see. When's the last time we were at 2%? Wow. 2020. You know what it's going to take to get to that? It's going to take a while to get to that. It's not going to all of a sudden drop from 83 to 2%, mm-hmm. which means rates have to continuously keep <laughs> going up to bring this down and the people in real estate and mortgages that think, yeah, Pat, you're just, you know, fear mongering. It's fear porn. You know, prices are not coming down and all. So really prices are not coming down. The, the Haida building was the Haida. What's that? Build? The Miami building, the sexy building oh, is the, the woman's body. Museum, it's, Tem- uh, Hadid, 1000 Hadid Biscayne. Yeah, okay. Exactly. The 1000 Biscayne folks just want to tell you this two years ago, year ago, 
57th floor penthouse. It's 10,000 square feet. I looked at it. That penthouse, you know what it was worth a year ago? 30 million. Not 30 million. That's the top of the top of the top. It's the last floor. We looked at it together. We looked at 54th floor. Mm. 57th floor just sold. That building right there. Oh my God. 57th floor penthouse with the only helipad on top of that building. That was valued between thirty-five to fifty million dollars. Just sold for nineteen million dollars last year. What? Just so you know that so nineteen million. You can get a good deal if you want. I just fall asleep. And, 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 and I know people are like, "Oh my God!" All these big numbers, all this stuff. No, no. This was built with the idea that the penthouse is going to be a forty, fifty million dollar house. Penthouse just sold. This is the sexiest building in all of Miami. Is that even debatable? The Aston Martin building's not even close right. to this. All these other buildings, none of them. The, the penthouse, fifty-seven floors. I've, I've lived in all five of those buildings except for the one in the middle. It was unaffordable. That's the building That's you're the talking one. about. I've lived in every single one of those buildings. Yeah. Those so, are my neighborhoods. So, so the moral, the moral, of the story, the moral, of the story here is, the bottom is not here. Yeah, the no. bottom is not here. People are like, oh well, the you know the the market recovered because of what's going on last week. No, the bottom is down here. People just got excited the fact that Elon Musk is going to be buying Twitter. That's what people got excited about. Yeah. But the bottom is not here. Let me let me read this to you about price increases come easily for big businesses, but inflation still squeezes profits. The Wall Street Journal story: Many big U.S. businesses say they've been able to increase prices this year with limited pushback from customers. Not all the changes are leading to higher corporate profits. Prices are sticky. Economics like to say once they go up, customers get used to it, and they rarely come down quickly. If companies' costs then fall, they can pass along a little of the savings and keep the rest. Customers get a bit of a break, and margins still widen. Corporate profit margins, the difference between expenses and revenue, reached historical high levels in recent quarters, helped by strong consumer demand for a range of goods and services. So what does this mean? Customers are not complaining that prices are going up, but how long is that sustainable, Tom? I don't know, because you know what's the one number that they keep bragging about that hasn't changed? And when that changes, it's a massive, massive collapse. You know what it is? It's what? one number. Unemployment? Unemployment. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Unemployment numbers still are still at two and a half percent, Unemployment which is numbers ironic. are strong. Unemployment yeah. numbers are strong. Unemployment numbers are strong. You know, everybody keep- plays games with headlines. Yeah. What if this was the headline America had to read? Jerome Powell will continue raising rates until inflation drops 75%. Everybody would be like, holy crap, it has to drop 75%. Do you see what I mean? Do you know how long it'll take? From eight to two. Exactly. How long would that take? That's going to take take two years. Tom, I agree. I, I I think at the earliest it's 18 months. At the latest, it's 30 months. This could go into 2024 is what it could go into. I I think it will. I think the presidential election in 2024 is the defining moment, not the midterm election right here. Because people haven't seen the bottom yet. I think the biggest spike in the history of the stock market, single-day spike going up, will be the day after election in 2024. You're going to see. It is going to be the biggest boom to the roof you've ever seen. If again, I'm purely if who if if if, if the Republicans win, it doesn't if, matter. It's not an if. Oh, okay. It's a shit show in America, and it ain't changing. <laughs> it's not an if. It's just who. Yeah. Is it gonna be a DeSantis? Is it gonna be a whoever? It's not about an if. Like, look at the way they pinned COVID on Trump. Mm-hmm. COVID doesn't happen. Trump's the president today. Well, everybody says that on right. the left, the right, the middle. Bill Maher. Every, Bill Maher says that. Yeah. COVID doesn't happen. Trump's the president today. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. What's been worse than a Biden administration in the last 40 years? What does America typically do when they have a site politically that when the economy is bad and everybody's struggling? Everybody says what? 
We have to change the way we're voting because the people in the, le- in the middle say what? I'm not doing this again. The day after 2024 election is done with and it's announced, watch what the single day. Matter of fact, make a note of when we said this. Watch what happens the day after election. Everybody on the market's going to say the single biggest uptick in the history of the stock market, a single day, exactly. is going to be said the day after election in 2024. Wow. Mark my words. Wow. And Dow's going to go to 50,000 in 2024, 2025. 50,000. That, that, that will Pat. go to 50,000 in 2025, 2026. Remember when I said this to yeah. you? I'm okay being wrong, and there's an 80, 90% chance I'm going to be wrong. But I'm telling you, Mm-hmm. Now, in my opinion, I'm not telling you to do this. Talk to your experts. Talk to your accountant. Talk to your advisors. I'm banking on Dow's going to be 50,000 in 2025-2026. But it's going to be a shit show in 2022-2023. And people can talk about, do I like my politicians? Do I like my president? All you want. But let me tell you, Jimmy Carter never had a sex scandal. Jimmy Carter never had a, you know, the profane moment off mic. Jimmy Carter was a remarkably nice man who has been proved it. He spent the last 42 years. He's 98 years old and he's still with us and he's still doing charitable service. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And he makes the headlines when he falls down doing charitable service and gets hurt and he gets back up. He was a nice guy. He was a guy that didn't have a lot of like, ew about him. Right. (laughs) But he was fired by the American people in a 49 state landslide. So let's by Reagan. Reagan, excuse mm-hmm. me. Reagan beat Mondale in the forty ninth state landslide, but it was um, he was fired in a monstrous landslide simply because the economy sucks. I'm hurting. You're fired, and what you're about to see in twenty twenty four is four times worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there. Are, I, I keep thinking about issues too because with all of this stuff that feels very tangible to people, you know, gas prices, prices of goods and services, you feel that every day. Um, you you can't convince people that that's not happening because they feel it. So what is the Biden? Let's say Biden runs again. He's not going to run again. Let's say Kamala Harris. I call her cackling Harris steps up to the plate and she she decides she's going to be the person. What is their issue? Is there only play suburban moms and talking about abortion? Because honestly, I really don't think that that can become a key issue when people can't afford to put food on the table. I just don't see how these social issues that they intend to play can play well for them. They can't play economic issues because they've been in charge for how long and the whole economy is in massive distress. Is it a distraction? Do they want chaos? Do they want us involved in some mess with Ukraine so that they can blame outside forces for what's going on in here instead of taking personal responsibility for the horrific policies that they put into place? I don't know. I just, as the days go on, I do think Republicans will have a big victory, both in the midterms and in the next presidential election. I don't particularly think it matters who runs because this is so bad that people will choose whatever that is. But I'm curious what the campaign from the left will look like, because I don't see a plus. I I, I keep searching for it, with the exception of them saying to suburban moms they're going to take, you know, abortion rights away. They want to bring women back, you know, several decades. I just don't see that as being a powerful message, given what the the state of the economy looks like today. You watch this a lot. Do you think in their echo chamber, though, that they're going to go with that personal liberty message, you know, abortion 
transgender. How can they go all the liberty message? They just for- wanted everyone to get forced vaccination or lose their job. No, no, I mean, what I'm saying is, do you think, and I'm asking you because your, your finger is on the pulse of yeah. this stuff more than mine yeah. is. So I'm asking an honest question. What do you think? Do you think in their echo chamber, they're just going to go for personal liberties, personal freedoms and saying that the Republicans are going to repress you? And I think they're going to go platform? for the female, the suburban mom vote. I think they're going to go for women. And I think they're going to hope that it's Donald Trump because they can use his past as something to go against. They can't go against his policy. They'll use his past. They'll paint him out to be a bad guy. They'll bring back, you know, sexual allegations. They'll bring Mm -hmm. about threats. They're hoping for Trump because they also, you'll notice every speech, Recently, Joe Biden did that speech where he looked angry. It looked like he was standing at the gates of hell. I don't know who who advised him to do that. It was absolutely. But you'll notice he didn't talk about the present much. What he talked about was, you know, the Capitol. He talked about what happened. They need to go backward and blame Trump or they have nothing, which is why I keep saying if it's not Trump, I think it's advantageous to the right. We had a manager yesterday of the talent that was here and I went and spoke to him. I said, so, wow, how are things in L.A.? So I don't live in L.A. I live here. So really? He says, yeah. I said, but why, why'd you come here? Well, two reasons. What's one of them? One is this, and you know the second reason. I said, I really want to know the second reason. He says, it's just tough to live in L.A. right now. I said, but you're a guy that Represents. our supporters. <laughs> yeah, I know. But anyways, I just wanted to come here. Right. It's so funny that even people who still support those policies, but their actions mm-hmm. are showing otherwise, that they're coming to a place that's free, that they no longer want to live in a place wow. like that. So th- this, th- the point I'm trying to make to you is the following. Left, right, middle, eventually, no, nobody likes to be wrong. There, there isn't a single person in the world that wakes up in the morning saying, I like to be wrong. I love what uh, Ray Dalio said this week. Ray Dalio said, the, 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 for you to want to be a leader and do something big in your life, something like that, he says, you have to be comfortable being wrong. And I've been wrong many times. And he just came out and said, cash is king. Okay. All Today, of a sudden, cash is trash. Oh, he went from cash is trash to cash is king. Yeah. Yeah. He said cash right. it's king because it's true. Today, cash is king. People want to have a lot of cash today. So, But there's a risk for being wrong. However, you know, parents with their kids, most, they'll compromise being wrong to have a better relationship with their kids because there's only so long I'll go with having to be right even though I'm wrong. I'll eventually say, nah, I'm wrong. Listen, my bad. Here you go. I love you. Let's go. I screwed up. Let's figure this thing out, right? And, and, and kids want to have a good relationship with their parents. They genuinely want to have a relationship with their parents. I think eventually a lot of voters on the left, specifically left, who have supported a lot of these types of things, who love and adore people like Bill Maher, love and adore people like Bill Maher, you know, uh, 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 are turning around and saying, shit, if Bill Maher is starting to say stuff like this, dude, maybe... Maybe there's more of us out there. So the more and more people like Bill Maher come out and start talking mm-hmm. common sense, the more and more people like on the left who maybe at one point like, oh, my God, Bill Maher's my hero. It's like, shit, why is Bill Maher saying this? Here's Dave Rubin. He said, I asked Bill Maher what it would take for him to support Governor DeSantis and get out of, get out of California. He says, if California says I have to take shots and DeSantis says I don't, hello, Florida. Okay? So watch this. Did you hear what Bill Maher just said? Let's see if that video is going to be taken out. By the way, we just got a report right now that the Richard Gage interview will not be going up because they do still think it's a hate wow. speech interview. I don't know why. They have to protect they, the they, YouTube community. About yeah, 9/11, so, it was about wow. 9-11? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Oh the 9-11 thing that we did, which is very weird because we pushed him, pushed back so much the all entire I did was time. Push that guy. That's all but that the was. The entire time he got pushed back to the point where he felt uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And uh, But anyway, so go, do me a favor. Go to the article I sent you about LA Times. Go, go to the article I sent you about LA Times. Just take a look at this real quick. I just uh, literally just sent it to you 
about LA Times. If you can't see it, just look at the text. I just send it to you. It has to do with what report just came back from. Uh, uh, do you have it or no? Yeah, give me just one second. It has to do with the report that came about vaccines being taken by 18 to 39 year olds, 18 to 39 year old male. I don't know if you guys saw this or not. So I'm yeah, reading, hey, YouTube, just so you know, uh, we're not even on YouTube. This is on vitamin.com. Okay. So this is an article I'm reading from LA Times. Column, in threat to public health, Florida publishes flawed and unscientific <laughs> anti-vaccine study. This is LA Times language. Go up and zoom a little bit more. Zoom a little bit more so I can read this. And by the way, if you guys want to get LA Times, you can get it for a dollar for six months. So there you go. <laughs> the spread of anti-vaccine misinformation and disinformation has become one of the de- uh, defining public health challenges for our time. So dangerous that it prompted the California legislature to make the practice grounds for revoking a doctor's license. Jeez. But what can we do when this pseudoscientific Claptrap comes from an agency of a state government dressed up as a public health recommendation. Wow, there's a sentence. The question arises from a new vaccine recommendation issued by Joseph Ladapo, Florida Surgeon General. Ladapo has said, has been labeled a quack mm-hmm. and a COVID crank. If there's if there's been any doubt that these labels are justified, they should be dispelled. By his latest action, move up a little bit. Uh, tell me, we can't read that because uh, I I'll zoom in put a little a dollar bit right now. I'll, I'll zoom, donate. zoom. Uh, uh, I can read it from my sin. I know you guys can't do it. Uh, I'll read the rest of it to you. No, just guys. read the next one in large print, Pat. You can read that. That that'll just press you. X. Why don't you right press there. X on the side? There you go. Okay, good. This is the first time that we've been a state government weaponized bad science to spread anti-vaccine information as a official policy. Weaponized. Yeah. Bad science. In a guidance. By the way, here's what he was saying. In a guidance issued Friday, Ladapo recommended against males ages 18 to 39 receiving a mRNA vaccine for COVID. These are Moderna and Pfizer vaccines most widely used in the United States. To justify his recommendation, Ladapo referred to a study. Uh, purporting to show an elevated risk of cardiac-related oh, health wow. among males in that ages within 28 days of receiving the That's vaccine. That's weird. If you want to learn more about this article, go to LA Times. You can read the rest of it, okay? But the point is, you know, when John Stewart was sitting down with the Attorney General of Arkansas, one of the things I like what she said was, she he says, how could you say that? No medical doctors are saying that about, you know, the transition. She says, what are you talking about? A lot of doctors are against it. Give me some names. She says, I didn't know I was going to come and talk to the Supreme Court today. I thought I'm talking to you. I have the entire report. We can send it your way. He he talked as if there isn't any doctor that disagrees with their position. And she says. Dares to disagree. She says there's plenty. She says science is debate. This is where science is debate. Not anymore. LA Times says science is no longer debate. John Stewart is on what channel again? Is he on ABC? John Stewart? He's got a a YouTube channel. It could be his own show that I lost all respect for his comedic. He's he's, that's too much. You know, Pat, there is way better than Trevor Noah, who just is stepping down from the Daily Show. That's not even comparable. Because his viewership is horrible. All those people, they just all. Or Don Lemon now has a morning show talking about recipes. I think John has. The opportunity, because he's smart. Mm-hmm. John is smart. And funny. John, You're giving John him too much is, credit, Pat. John is smart, and he's funny. I just don't think he wants to go there because of whatever other reasons we don't know about. He doesn't come across as a 
guy that's scared. I don't. He's know. bought and sold. I think they got He's him. He's bought and sold. They, they got, got him. him. That's I hate all. to believe it. I I hate- did you not see a bunch of sane people though that lost their minds the last two years? The people that you would have said this is a sane person that completely lost their minds, bought into the fear. There yeah. are people, by the way, who stand by the medical establishment no matter what. They they won't question the medical establishment. So even something like this that comes out. You know, maybe they got the vaccine themselves. Maybe someone they know got it. They can't think beyond those parameters. It's too troublesome for them. I just want to address one thing that you talked about that I think is really important. Of course, I'll get heat for this, but here it comes. (laughs) So the male voter that listens to what Bill Maher is saying, someone like a Bill Maher, I think can be persuaded. We have a problem in this country, and it's called the female voter. And nobody likes to say it, but it's true. The female voter oftentimes will respond emotionally to these things. Who couldn't stand Trump? Women. Women couldn't stand Trump. They couldn't stand his Twitter account. They couldn't stand. And I myself acknowledge that I even had that reflux reflex at times. I would look and be like, oh, stop doing that. I did so because I felt it was counterproductive to his policy. It was distracting. I knew that he was aggravating women. I was like, don't aggravate them with a Twitter feed. Let them support you with your policy. But there is a segment here that we're talking about, and that is women that will respond emotionally to the language of the left, meaning what Tom was talking about, going after abortion rights, making this an emotional debate. If the left wants to win this next election, they have to make this emotional and they have to target women. So I beckon women all the time. Don't vote based on emotion. Vote based on policy. You've got your kid in a school. Look at what that school looks like. You want, you know, your family to be able to have keep more of their hard-earned cash. Vote based on that. Stop letting them use and abuse you by triggering you emotionally and doing it and you allowing it and winning because that's who's that's who isn't going on the left women forget it it's done you're not going to get them because emotionally they're going to respond to the climate change and they're going to respond to joe biden says this oh i love him he's such a nice guy he's actually not he talked about the the what the death of the unvaccinated we go the winter of death for the unvaccinated he's not a nice guy people jimmy carter nice guy joe biden's not a nice guy he's not a nice guy he's not he's not He's not. Anyone who can say the winter of death for the unvaccinated is not a nice guy. So women just are a problem right now in terms of the way they vote. And they need to to acknowledge that. And they need to stop voting based on emotion and start voting based on reality. It's just there's no time for that nonsense right now. It's too serious. I think you're right. But it goes the other way, too, because this is exactly how Terry McAuliffe lost in Virginia with three weeks to go because he triggered all of those moms on on the school issue. And so the case study with going the critical to, uh, think what was it the critical race theory, critical critical race theory. theory. Remember, the Terry McCullough lost those five points and it shifted yeah. and he lost. It's too dangerous to play that game though, Tom. Well, Jed, let me tell too you, dangerous. I'm saying I'm saying that they look at that as a, I agree with you with what you're saying, but I think they look at the Terry McCullough loss as a case study and how you need to trigger those women. The hundred percent, they've Jed, been doing it for years. Uh, I'll give you a, a little um, uh, two it's cents. I will nominate you for a Nobel Peace Prize, much like uh, Ben Bernanke over here, <laughs> if you can figure out a way for women to stop acting so emotionally in life so i will nominate you and in addition to that i read an article this kind of was to your to your initial point uh they basically they're summarizing the midterm elections and probably even 2024 elections with one paraphrase basically it's your money versus your rights essentially if you're looking at the economy and everything that's happening in the economy and inflation and prices and consumer pricing and all that and you're looking at the economy clearly you're going to basically go against biden and 
Republicans. Now, when they're pinning an emotional voter, basically your rights. Now, this is, comes down to whether it's abortion rights or LGBT rights or you talked about, you know, if, if the you know, Republicans are going to lose, go ahead and nominate Trump. Let's see how that works out for you, because all they're going to do is replay January 6th mm-hmm. footage galore, galore, right. galore, Again, galore, 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 galore. Pass the pass the pass. Exactly. The pass. But I mean, at the end of the day, you are trying to win an election. Yeah. And I think that uh, obviously if James Carville said it's the economy, stupid. So clearly, I think 2024 is going to be a, I'm sorry, 2022 is going to be a bloodbath if you're going to vote for the economy. Uh, but don't downplay the emotional voter. Yeah, and your rights, though. I mean, the nerve, honestly, the cojones of these people to talk about your rights on the left. Your rights. You, you were, you wanted people to lose their jobs because their own medical doctor said, "Don't get this vaccine," but the state said you have to get it. You, you advocated for them to get mm-hmm. fired. Yep. How do you make an argument about privacy? You're going to talk about abortion and talk about privacy rights. What about pri- medical privacy? Everyone had to say they were vaccinated. Show a card. A kid had to, had to show a card to walk into a restaurant in New York City. So they have relinquished their ability to talk about rights, about individual liberty, about individual freedom. If they want to make their argument, oh, we're all for rights because we want to protect a woman's right to murder a baby at full term, have fun. Good luck with that, Democrats. It's not going to work, though. But I'm telling you, it's not going to work. These ideas, there's going to be the robots that... Robots were around 2,000 years ago. Robots were around 1,000 years ago. Robots were around 100 years ago. Robots are on today. And there's going to be robots, literal robots, in about 100 years, the way <laughs> Elon Musk is going. I mean, it's going to be different Neuralink. kind of robots. Imagine the day where robots can vote. Can you imagine one day CNN, like in 20, 2132, says robots should have the right to vote. These people oh have feelings. Can you imagine that day oh comes God. and Democrats go by 17 million robots and say, 17 million robots voted. Look at them. They can also <laughs> fall in love. By the way, as funny as and this sounds, it's real. imagine in 20 years when this is actually oh a yeah, debate. Right. I can't laugh because it's going to happen. And then, and then those robots are going to be like, I'm a We're going to have to find this footage of the day where somebody says robots should have the right to vote. Oh my, and, then uh, tra- uh, and then there's going to be transgender uh, robots. Yeah. robots no, it'll go like, the other way. Right? It'll go the other way because you'll have people that are hacking the robots. Oh because people God. are going to have companion robots you've read about, right? Yeah. You have companion. It's like iRobot, the movie. So basically what, what you're going to do to influence the election, you'll find a way to hack the robots so that all the robots on the other political party get really horny that day so that no one goes out to vote. Wow. <laughs> Like Bizdoc, Dominion, Dominion robots. Can you, can you break down the horniness of this robot yeah. real quick? I'm Taking just saying the robots will be distracting people. Oh, I didn't vote today. I didn't even. I mean, you're going a whole different. You're, you're talking about like robot porn and robot right. only fans. What is that? Uh, smoking uh, right now. I'm talking about stuff I've read about what people are actually asking for. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you're researching. Okay. All right. So let's no. let's. Uh, Headlines in Listen, New York two words robot will be made in America. That's all I want to say. Two words <laughs> two made words. in America, guys. Don't screw around here, okay? Oh, These robots will be two words made in America. I want to be very specific with that. Anyways, made NBA, not NBA, National Basketball Association, NBA applications at top Ivy League universities see double-digit drops, Whoa. okay? Wow, that's not good. Double-digit drops. Let's find out why. Well... Major MBA programs like Harvard Business School have reported steep drops in applications due to a tight labor market and expensive cost of the degrees, which have pushed many would-be applicants away. Undergrad programs are also seeing declines in enrollment as younger generation of high school students are rethinking the value of a college degree as many are beginning to question the return on investment or quality of education. Harvard Business School, 
which has long been regarded as the nation's top business school, saw MBA applications tumble by more than 15% this semester. Wharton Business School, the University of Pennsylvania, another MBA program, recorded a more than 13% plunge. Tom, thoughts on MBA applications? Are they no longer as valuable as they once were? And why are we seeing these types of double-digit drops? Well, let's parse it real quick. The first is that the applications are dropping by double digits. But you have to remember, these schools were only accepting 5 to 12% in the first place. So the application rate drops. So now they're accepting 10, 15, 20%. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, but I think this is just the beginning. So the first thing is that. The second part is, is people are cluing into the indoctrination in college campuses. Um, everybody knows one of my daughters is getting really close and it's time to do college visits. And I went on a, co- a couple college visits over the course of the last month. There'll be no more until spring break, but we went on a couple. And I'm not going to name the institutions, but I will say there is something in common. There were rational parents that were there with really good achieving kids, talking about SAT scores, ACT. But the tour guides in both cases were woke, <laughs> over the top and open about their their sexuality and talking about the college campus being this open, welcoming place. And I saw parents looking around saying, okay, it's okay to say, hey, I'm gay on campus. I feel good. There's a lot of good support and everything like that. I have no problem with that. But they went on and on and on, and it was like a key part, and it was the first part they made. There was a lot of parents that came back and said, you know, I love the business school at this uh, university, but I don't dig that. Tom, Tom and, and we're not going to announce the schools, but these are big names, guys, that we're talking about. Top 20 in the United States. Yeah, both. you know both schools. But what do you mean by they kept making an effort? Can you be a little bit more specific without mentioning the school's name? So you go in and sit down and you get an orientation of the of the um, uh, admission process. How many people are there with you, other parents and kids? There's 150 people okay. in the room, 75 so, kids, 75 parents, yeah. really good rational yeah. parents. Everybody I met was very good. They were concerned about their kids' education, asking about financial aid, standard things. The first topic for seven to 10 minutes of this half hour and then a professor speaks and then they have a couple other uh, um, students speak like about athletics and stuff. The first seven to 10 minutes, we want you to know that we're, we think we're one of the most welcoming schools. And then they name the conference they're in because, you know, there's like Pac-10, da, 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 they name their conference. We're the welcoming. <clears throat> we already have uh, gender studies courses. We already have our school um, clinic has uh, gender access to gender reassignment drugs and can even help coordinate surgeries. This is what they were saying at the first seven minutes of the speech. The gender reassignment we went, surgeries. Welcome to the what University the of X. I'm going to take you. By, by the way, if you find out what school this is, you would be like, "Are you kidding me? This is this is a this is a, this this off is, camera." Yeah, C- keep going. So, yeah, so ten minutes. They, so then they go this and says. I happen to be gay, and I'm part of these students' organizations, things like this, and I'm majoring in this. And uh, on the general ed, we also have these courses that have been added. They're talking about brand new courses, a gender studies course, you know, a gender reassignment, uh, the, the political implications of America course. I'm like, that was fast. There's a GE course in social studies that you can now take in this. And they go there finally at like the 12-minute mark, and now I'm going to give you a summary of our school of business, our school of engineering, and they did that 
elegantly, beautifully. I don't care that he was gay. He did a great explanation of the rest of the schools. But he opened with wow. this whole woke and everything we do for you before he got into do it. Do you think that is that per- person's sort of their two cents, their opinion, or is that... You know, indoctrination from the school. I did think that till a week later. I went to a second school. Oh wow! Uh, and then what happened and the there? And the script, the script was the same. Wow! And the reaction of parents there was the same, saying, "You know, I appreciate that there's a diversity of students here, and I fully mm-hmm. expect my kids are going to be here and working in a world that's very diverse with a lot of different people." But what the hell was that first ten minutes about? Yeah. Now, Tom, I don't need the name of the school. We're going to respect that. What state is this in? No, you can't give it. Uh, can't I'm even give the state. No, 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 no. You cannot give it because Pop two different 25. states. Pop I wouldn't 25. say it. It's just off camera. He'll school. tell you, but okay. you cannot. What is the, can we get so, an estimate of the cost, the annual cost to go to a, to a school like for that? the gender reassignment or uh, the school? No, no. These both of these schools are in the sixty thousand yeah. a year range. Okay, where you're talking forty. You know what school it is? Forty twenty. I'm sure. You're talking his 40, daughter's 20. got a four point six GPA. You know exactly what school it these is. These are top twenty five schools. Yeah. And yeah, I don't even know you can get higher than a four point oh. So we're going to four point six. Holy crap! What's happening? The point is getting back to the NBA thing you have a lot of people that are that are sitting back saying okay is this education or is this indoctrination Mm -hmm. wow and a woman about 50 years old with a daughter who was a very strong athlete Mm -hmm. and was and was considering the school for an athletic scholarship that she got so they're there to go on a tour and they wanted to go to the uh, school of communications and also the business school on this tour there was a mother that turned and said that hey i'm just wondering where education stops and indoctrination starts and she goes oh wait a minute or is it where indoctrination stops and the education Uh starts this question was asked no this is this is, this is the woman turning toward me, a mom. Right. And it was heard by at least eight of us, eight parents right. that were around there. And so that is a feeling that parents are getting. Oh so is it any is it any shock that there's applications dropping as parents are saying, wait a second, and what a beautiful T-shirt she's she's if, outlining. If Where I does was, the indoctrination stop and the education start? If we were at a different phase of a run right now, we would build one of the most badass universities worldwide to produce incredible leaders with a constitution that certain things will never be indoctrinated in there. Like you can never come in and manipulate it no matter after I die or whatever. This is, and by the way, it's not going to be just us. There's going to be other people that are going to start schools today and we're going to hear about them. It's, unfortunately, it's going to take 20 years for you to hear about the impact they're going to be making. It's going to take a minute for these schools to have a reputation. But this is, this is, this is not going to work long term. It's a turnoff. Parents don't want those types of things to be in their faces constantly. It's a big turnoff, Tom. And, and the and stats are showing that what's it's starting so, to move right what's now. What's so dumb about it, what's so dumb about it, people during COVID realized they don't need to go to these universities and pay the amount that they pay. COVID was the worst thing that happened to the university business model. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, they're doubling down, thinking this is like the right thing to do, like 99%. For you to go that direction, you have to believe most parents in America think like you think. They don't. Mm -hmm. Most parents in America don't think like these guys think. And they're saying, well, let's open it up with this because the only way a person who's presenting an argument and selling a product, which you're selling the school, the only thing you talk about in the first 10 minutes when you present that is because you think that's what the customer is thinking. And they're not. Or the administration They're not thinking. That, and that's a script they gave the kid. But the, the only student. reason the administration is telling their students that are presenting this to parents and kids coming in is because they think that's what you're thinking. Right. Mm-hmm. That's basic sales one-on-one. 
and parents are not. So a, a bad idea gets publicly exposed. This is just double dumb at the highest level for them to do this. Go ahead. No, I just want to ask Tom another question. So the woke, inclusive, transgender stuff aside, because that's not the only thing that's happening at these schools, I assume. Absolutely. Okay. So we're talking about these higher end, upper echelon schools, the Harvards, the Yales, the Whartons of, uh, of the world, that applications have gone down 15%, correct? So if that is the case... Let's extrapolate that. What's going to happen just to the run-of-the-mill average school, right? You're just your state university of New Jersey or, you know, your Oklahoma Pronounce State. Rutgers. What's going to happen? Exactly. So if, you know, because I think we would all agree, if your kid can get into Harvard or Yale or Wharton, you're going to go ahead and figure that out. Yeah. But, you know, going down the line, you know, you're the number 48 school, you're number 122 school. What's going to happen to those schools? That's well, there's, my question. There's also a thing that Pat's been talking about for a while, and it's on the cover of Bloomberg, I think, last like, two weeks ago. And it talked about that the forgiveness of the student loan debt is not is not the biggest problem, you know, in higher education. It's also what they've done counter counter to inflation and what they've done to the cost of it. Um, and and so there's there's like three issues in education right now. Number one is people during COVID discovered, I don't have to be on campus and spend all this to get the same. I, I was forced to be in online classes and I learned calculus just fine. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to read the book on English literature and, and, and represent my report and, and debate it a little bit. Just fine. Thank you. Online, the Zoom class. So the first thing is you don't have to be on campus. The second thing is the cost is just completely out of hand. Um, is this uh, is this the cover story like Bloomberg a couple of weeks I, ago? Because finally, this is Bloom- Michael frickin' Bloomberg's namesake running a front page story on the perils of uh, of higher education is is the cost. And then the third issue is what Pat just brought up: what they think the customer wants in their echo chamber, and what the customer really wants are not the same thing. Yeah, so don't underestimate that uh, mentality that the bubble operates in, though, because you have the same issue that happens with the Washington, D.C. and New York City media elite, which is the reason that people turn on the news sometimes. People in the middle of the country will turn on the news and say, what are what are these guys talking about? That's not what's really happening. It's completely disconnected because elites in academia, in media, they 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 just talk amongst themselves, behave amongst themselves, live amongst themselves. They don't get out into the rest of the country and they think everybody agrees with them. They're perfectly states, comfortable. Right? They're perfectly comfortable acting like everybody agrees. So they show up and they give a speech and they assume, well, of course, everyone here at this amazing institution must also be in line with how we think because the rest of you are all rednecks. There's a lot of that philosophy that happens. And one thing that Tom said, interesting, that the mom who asked that question to you and you said a group of people, that's a mom to an athlete. So you you can guarantee that she's thinking about, well, is my daughter now going to be competing against biological men? Is this and you I can guarantee you that was going on in her mind. The whole Ivy League swimming. (laughs) Yes. And one thing I will ask people, which is a really interesting question, people coming out of college in the last decade. Are those the most critically thinking people you know? Because the people I know who are the best critical thinkers oftentimes now are people who didn't go to college at all. They're, and why is that? 
Why is that? I'm not talking about the way college was 30 years ago, 20 years ago. I'm talking about the way college has been in the last two decades. It's almost like you raise your children, you raise them with the hope of them being critical thinkers. They go through the school system, they get to college, and they come out of college less able to think for themselves. So the people that I turn to when I have a, 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 an issue or a question, or I often am turning to people who started businesses, who are entrepreneurs, who know how to think on their feet, who are independent thinkers. Oftentimes, those people did not go to college where a lot of people go to get their brains wrecked. They go to college and all of a sudden they forget how to think for themselves. So parents see that. And when you're talking 60K a year, they're saying, why would I send my kid to a place where they're going to come out less able to think for themselves than they would if they never went there at all? That's a completely reasonable assumption to make now. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, I mean, again, not no kids, but I used to go to college and you think, What's the ROI, right? I mean, that's the whole reason you go to college is because I'm going to spend 50 grand a year. That's 200 grand every four years. But over the course of my lifetime, and if you look at the stats, you know, people with college degrees tend to earn more overall than people with high school degrees. But now there's extra factors that get involved where mm-hmm. it's like indoctrination and wokeism and and just being a part of a cult mentality that those are extra factors that you have to basically have that nuanced approach to. And if you're Tom, you're basically saying it's not just an ROI thing anymore. It's what other factors are going to get involved for my uh, daughter before so she once goes to school. So once a not woke university starts, like a not woke you, that's where you'd want to send your kid. Then. It's like Hillsdale. That's really it. That's, uh, that's what I'm saying. It's just, yeah, you're right. Just real. And by the way, that's a scary thought that it's only Hillsdale right now. But <laughs> capitalism works. People will figure out a way to come up with a solution. And I'm telling you, the only challenge is going to take 10 to 20 years because here's how it's got to happen. And, and the way to do it, so it's process and the way to do it, you, as the audience, says, okay, I'm not happy with this. You have to go to people who you admire, who are very successful in, in politics, in business, in life, in church, in whatever may be, and say, look, I really like your ideology. I really like your philosophies. Can you please start a university? Can you tell us what we need to do to go raise some money? Let's go get some people that have money. Let's get $100 million behind this, $50 million behind this. We need 50 universities like this to get started with a $100 million budget. That's $5 billion. But we would like your name to be behind it, your stamp of approval. And then that person is going to say what? Yes or no. 80% of them are going to say what? No, I don't want that kind of responsibility. But 20% could. So I think the same way, like when I went to L.A. and I sat down with somebody and I said, I think you got to run for governor. And it's as if I dropped the F-bomb and I cursed his family out. He said, what are you talking about? I said, if you are not happy with stuff that's going on in California, go run. You're an influential person. Go run. Go run for governor. I don't know about that. I don't know about this. I'm like, no, you got to run. So some people need to have those. If you're close to anybody that's a massive influencer in business, in church, in military, former in politics, who has the right philosophies and teachings that people admire, when I say people admire in that community, encourage them to put their name behind starting a university. The name could be as simple as, you know, uh, pick somebody in politics. Trump University. I'm not saying (laughs) Trump University, but I'm saying like (laughs) pick pick a name like that. And by the way, it could be somebody like that. But it could be anyone that you respect in politics, in business, to start a school. Our kids go to a school... And we try to get our school, by the way, Shapiro, Shapiro University, University, for I would, example. I would okay? go. You know, you got Peterson University. Oh, okay? beautiful. I'd go. You, these are the types of things that people should start universities. Okay? 
And pra- others Prager. ought to be asking. Prager University is one of the best things that they did. What they've done. We need more organizations like that to create. A, the only difference between Prager U is I'm just watching videos. I want my kids to be around other kids that are mm-hmm. like that as well. Yeah. I'm not talking channels. I'm talking physical locations where I'm going to be around other people that I'm meeting people there. Yeah, he's That's only taking one little step. He, and by the way, it's a very big step that it's they're big taking. And it's, it's a good fantastic. step. Yeah. I would, so, yeah, Pat, I would send my kid to BU, uh, Bila University, 100%. <laughs> That's, That's how it starts. Yeah. That's I would send how it starts. My kid to, if you're a professor, I, trust me, you're not going to learn anything about money at that school. It's going to be all politics no, related. Well, to listen. The no, no BS zone is real. Sauce you, you'd be another school. Well, we can hire you, Adam. I can hire you to come in and talk yeah. money. There no, you go. Keep the 18-year-old girls away. That's going to be like 21 and over, my kid. He will, he will volunteer to be the well, orientation sure. uh, presentation. Yeah, he'd be giving this. Big- so, Mary, let's talk about you, for example, <laughs> you know. Uh, but, okay, so, by the way, uh, uh, did you guys hear about the Nike co-founder donated a million dollars to a Republican running Nike governor founder, of Oregon? Phil Knight, not yeah, the co-founder. Phil, Phil Knight. It says co-founder in the Fox News story, Phil Knight. But a million dollars to a Republican running for... Uh, Phil Knight has contributed a million dollars towards Republican governor candidate Christine Drazen campaign in Oregon. Knight has previously donated $3.75 million to independent candidates like uh, Betsy Johnson and uh, others, but now has shifted his side to the right. Knight's spending spree shows a staunch opposition to the Democratic candidate for the governor office, Tina Kotek. Uh, the latest Republican to win the Oregon governor's office was Vic Atiyah, back in 1982, wow. 40 years ago. While Oregon has not elected a Republican governor in decades, Drazen and Kotek are neck and neck in polls, with Drazen even holding a one-point lead according to 538 uh, uh, polling average. So uh, this, again, validates that some people are sitting there saying, I don't know, man, I'm just sick of this. I thought independents were going to do it. Dems are not doing it. Let me try this. This one party that you should never categorize yourself as a Republican, I think I'm going to give him a million dollars. And, and what is the largest Bill city? Bill Knight. What is the largest city in Oregon? Oh, Portland. Portland. And what happened downtown when the woke people Chaz, successfully Chaz. Yeah. successfully pushed over the defund the police? Yeah. And what happened to civil order? Bad situation. It was a bad situation. Yeah. So you know what's happening to those heaven. voters? Those voters are back. And those voters are what is in this poll that 538 has. And you got Phil Knight saying, you know what? Maybe it's a little different leader we need here. And I think it's, it's that simple. This is, a, this is a case study. If you leave Oregon alone, it goes 60% liberal. If you just leave it alone, no fire and brimstone, just let it be. The Birkenstocks, the dope, everything, it's 60%. <laughs> That's it, right? However... You insert the aftermath of what happened in Portland and the the Antifa zone that was downtown. Remember all that went with that? And the governor ran out to a place called Haystacks, which is out on the beach because he was scared mm-hmm. because excuse me, the mayor, the mayor of Portland. And now you get what? The voters are coming back and the voter polling says what? That, oh, my gosh, for the first time since 1982, a Republican can win. This is a case study, my friend. Mm-hmm. This is a case study. Woke doesn't work. You can't be a business owner in these crime-infested cities and advocate for this. I mean, I just don't understand how you could own a business and watch your business get destroyed, watch people not want to come into the neighborhood because the crime is so bad, watch your sales go down, watch people not want to work at your business because they don't want to live in that area, and not change your mind on some of what's going on. I mean, my concern is do those people pick up their business, go to a place like Florida, 
go to a place like Texas and then vote the same horrible way that they did before and now wreck those cities? I would hope not. There has to be some change of mind that happens there where you recognize that what you were doing before in terms of who you were supporting got you into the mess. So now let's vote differently to keep that new place like you would want it safe and protected with a police force, et cetera. I hope that happens. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see because we had an influx of people from California and New York move to places like Florida and Texas. Let's see what happens there in terms of voting and, and the dynamics of that. That'll be a great uh, a great case study as well in the next couple of elections. Uh, it, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see. By the way, I want to wrap up with the story because Adam wanted to comment on it. The Dwayne Johnson story ah. you said. Hollywood star uh, Dwayne Johnson confirms that running for president is off the table. The most important thing to me is being a daddy. I love our country and everyone in it. I also love being a daddy. And that's the most important thing to me is being a daddy, especially during this time, this critical time in my daughter's lives. I know that I know what it's like to be on the road and to be busy, that I was absent for a lot of years. The actor continued, the Hollywood star has three children, four-year-old Tiana Johnson, six-year-old Jasmine Johnson, and his 21-year-old Simone Johnson. So uh, him saying he's not running. What are your thoughts on this story? I just think, good. I'm glad you came out and said it. I think there's just been this propensity for like any Hollywood celebrity can just be the president now. Right, whether it's Oprah or Tom Hanks or The <laughs> Rock Michelle or, or anybody. Matthew McConaughey or just go be president because you're popular. I think it, it takes a little bit more nuance and education. Uh, Trump, different type of person because he's been a businessman for all those years and he's been donating to politics for all this long. And I know that, Pat, you said to make it in Hollywood, you kind of have to have some politics and be able to kind of maneuver through the idiosyncrasies and uh, of how Hollywood works. But... I do think you know people. People say they don't want a career politician, which I agree with to a certain extent. But I also don't want someone who's green behind the ears that has never been a politician in their life just because they've been an actor or a wrestler for 20, 30 years doesn't qualify them to be freaking president of the United States. But do you, Not think, for do you think it's that hard to be like a, a president of a country that yes. has a system put in place? Well, I mean, Trump kicked ass. Policy wise, because he's been pro America for his whole life. But I mean, the powers that be don't let you go off the rails. You know what I mean? So, doing uh, the Rock could easily a get the vote and win, and just if he has ideas or whatever, he's not really steering the ship. I just, you know what I mean? I just wonder how long it genuinely, truly takes for you to understand how government works. Yeah. Okay, like if you're The Rock and you've been just smelling what The Rock has been cooking for the last yeah. twenty years, all yeah. of a sudden you know how filibusters work and how a bill becomes a law and and what it takes to negotiate with the other side of the aisle i think we need to give certain politicians a little more credit for understanding the balance of all that works i'm not saying i'm giving all politicians credit because i think the majority of them are fucking idiots however uh certain good politicians do kind of know what they're doing out there i would hope what if we did a test we just take like like somebody who's like completely clueless, doesn't know what day it is. Let a committee behind them make decisions. Joe Can't Biden. walk up a flight Joe of Biden. stairs. Let them mispronounce things every day and be basically senile. Put him in as president. Let the committee run it and just see what happens. Wait a minute. Yeah, that sounds doing. really familiar. That guy's that making sounds- some shit happen, though. He's passing laws, buddy. Who's? He doesn't well, know he's what not passing laws. Just ignore the nukes that are flying over the top of Japan and Tokyo. <laughs> the fact keep that we're balls deep Biden, in Ukraine. Y'all. Keep yeah. doubting Biden. He just keeps. Oh, we will. Nobody. Listen. We Nobody don't F's with Biden. Someone said this the other day. Don't fuck with don't Biden. Don't with Biden. That's right. So, I mean, but, but so, so, Adam, going back to your point. So, uh, 
Trump donated and, you know, was always giving money to politicians. He didn't know nothing about the laws and filibusters and all that shit. How did he, how was he so successful in that arena? I don't care about the personality and, you know, him, you know, talking all the shit. How did he figure it out so fast? He changed policies. He stopped, you know, trade with uh, China. He did this. He did. The country was kicking ass until COVID. How did he figure it out so much if he's such a, he was just, he's just a business minded, big mouth, you know. Troll, how did he figure it out? I, I would hope that he Buying had your lunch, smart. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> I would hope that he had just had smart, well-informed people around him. So, I mean, kudos to hi- having smart people around you. So, the problem so- with Trump is all those people he surrounded himself do not want to affiliate with Trump anymore. Like every general, every person around him, like literally everyone, Bill Barr, Mike Pence. Yeah. He did have people in place that were around him, but he's, the problem with Trump is... You know, you can give him credit for hiring the right people, but I don't know why he can't maintain these relationships. Every single one of them want nothing to do with Trump anymore. The biggest, That's his biggest flaw. The biggest asset you could have as a president is common sense. You can read up how a bill becomes a law. You can read what a filibuster is. We have a whole bunch of people in Congress and the Senate that know all that stuff. They're completely useless. So what I want <laughs> is I want somebody who has common sense, preferably somebody who's run a business, people who understand what it means when you raise taxes on somebody, what that does, people who understand basic concepts like the minimum wage and don't rely on talking points but have seen those policies actually affect their business that's what matters to me i appreciate governors because they've actually run a city or a state but i don't think you have to know the logistics of government government is mostly broken institutions and and overstuffed bureaucracy what you really need is someone in there who's able to think for themselves who can hire the right people who doesn't just surround themselves with yes men but people who will challenge them as well who isn't afraid to backtrack on something when they say this is a mistake Let's start redirect course and who actually views themselves as a representative of all people in a country and isn't a, a a person who claims to not be divisive, but behind the scenes is actually incredibly divisive in policy and, and whatnot. So I, I actually think that common sense is the biggest asset you can have. Pat, would you ever run Pat any governor? Any you wouldn't you wouldn't run at all because everything that she just said as she was saying it in my head, I'm just like, you know how to run a business. You know how to take care of the people. You're you're in touch with everybody. You love your country. You love the country that you came from. You're you're really involved. Never ever will it cross your mind and be like, you know what? I want to be. I'll, I'd be the governor because DeSantis is probably going to be leaving. You know, yesterday we were having dinner with Kai's family. They're from Norway. Mm-hmm. Incredible, incredible. Dinner. Oh, his mom and dad are here. His mom and dad okay. are here. His sisters here, and we just sat yeah. down and talked to them. We took them to obviously this restaurant we've never been to before <laughs> called. It's called balsamic. It's called balsamic. So we go there, and Angelo comes. He's like, you know, you're, you know. Anyways, so yeah. I don't want to say because yeah. it, it, I, I like to enjoy my lunches. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we start talking. I said, so tell me what Norway's like. Now, the way they met, she's from U.S. Father is from Norway. Okay, yeah. and in Norway, anybody can run for office. You don't have to be born in Norway to run for office based on policies that show. I mean, they got 10 parties. It's very interesting how the 10 parties work. Like, for example, a leading party can win the majority, but they need the Christian party to help them win the entire thing. And the Christian party will negotiate and say, we will come and help you win, but only if one of us becomes a prime minister. Oh, my God. Such an interesting election process that they have. But at the same time, their taxes are around 85%. VAT is 25%. Uh, everything you buy, you're paying 25%. I think except food was 12%. Top line taxes are like 45%. Gas, she's like, well, you guys are complaining about eight bucks. We've been paying eight bucks for a long time. Wow. Okay, and what they're doing. Ugh. 
they they have two trillion dollars of oil reserves. When they found out about the oil that they have, I think in 1974 or something, the year they said. But uh, their policies are different. In the state of Florida, you know, governor, seven years you have to live in Florida to run for governor. So we have to wait six and a half more years for Jedediah to be able to run and do what she wants to do. And then in America, I think the policies, if they ever changed anything for presidency and conversations came up, I would definitely entertain it. But I, I'm going to be the kingmaker. My, my plans are going to be finding people and giving them a... Uh, 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 you know, spotlight to help them go run. That's what we're going to be doing the next 20, 30, 40 years. You already have a press secretary. I'm right here. Come so, on. Let's go. Oh, you would be one. Oh, my oh God. My God. I just visualized. Oh, my God. God. Holy shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, as a press Kaylee McEnany. Oh. Um, by the no, way, no, actually, no, 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 no joke. No. I think you would Better. be an insane press secretary. Ridiculous. That's a job I oh would do quite well. God, oh, my God. You would yeah. be an insane press secretary. I would watch everyone. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Jedediah would be a dangerous president. <laughs> oh my God. The boys will take it, will give it, will f- go. Dish it. I had some conversations about that once, you know, with someone who was going to potentially Ooh. run did for you? president. Yes, I did. You would make one hell of a press secretary, yeah. now that I think about it. I'm open to it. Give no, me a let's call. Talk, I mean, yeah, I you mean, would be DeSantis one hell is, of a press secretary. So, Pat, so, and not to, I know we're wrapping up. Yeah. Is there, has DeSantis, is there any inclination about him running at all? Because it looks like he's. What are you talking some, about? Is he going to any he gonna, inclination? No, I'm just inclination? saying. Did you see his you wife's ad idea. this week? No, I didn't like, see it. The, What'd you the, say? The wife's ad may be one of the best ads. Oh, wow. He says, you know, Ron is this. Ron is that. He loves America. He's specific, he, the way he treats his kids, how he is with her, how he's with the two-year-old, with this, with that. But I'm going to tell you the Ron that you guys don't know. When I had cancer and I didn't know what was going to happen with me, he was there every day. He was picking me up. He was this. He was that. It is an un. Believable, sincere, genuine ad with no acting. That's not an ad for running for governor. That's an ad for running for president. And she sounds like a first lady. She is for the state of Florida. But she sounds like a first lady for a much bigger job than just. But what a what a debate! Okay, if that happens and he debates Trump on stage and is down to those two, that's going to be insane. Can I tell you what happens? Let me tell you where I'm at right now. If those two debate, yeah, I'm gonna tell you what I think is going to happen if those two debate. Um, I think if those two debate and Trump does what he does to everybody, I think he's going to help DeSantis. I agreed. I think so too. I think he's going to help DeSantis if he takes that playbook. I think if they just go straight up, like, hey, policies, policies, and they kind of talk behind closed doors, let's see what the majority wants, and then let's go from yeah. there. I think that's what, like, you know, the whole thing was going with the Democratic uh, uh, debate was going peaceful and then all of a sudden Kamala Harris said you know Joe I really respect you and I really like what you've done with your public service for the last 43 years but you know what sits very (laughs) it's hard for me to even think about is what you did to those buses and then and then everyone's like what the hell it just got real now it's real and then that so there's gonna be a moment if those two are on stage Mm -hmm. let me tell you prediction (laughs) the most viewed it's gonna be more eyeballs watching DeSantis and Trump than either one of them against the Democratic Democratic uh, I agree I think that's gonna be like pay-per-view 100 million people watching although since you just brought up Kamala Harris remember two debates later Tulsi Ended oh, Kamala yeah. Harris's campaign. Yeah. Ended right. her campaign with a brutal takedown over the three straight and Kamala j- laws. And, yeah. 
And it was a brutal takedown. Yeah. And so Kamala Harris is probably very happy that Tulsi's leaving the Democrat Party. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank God. I won't have to debate her again. If yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, look, for those of you guys that joined us here and you're still watching, we got a bunch of you guys that are on. That's fantastic. Uh, I There's not a comment section to see how you're processing this. I'd love to hear from you. Send us a tweet. Uh, you can send a tweet at Patrick with David, hashtag PBD podcast. You can tag all of us while you're talking uh, on how this was for you today. Uh, I really want to hear your thoughts on today's commentary that we had back and forth. Short clips will uh, go back up. We just got feedback from them, which means we will be live for podcasts next week. We are not doing another podcast this week, but we will be doing podcasts next week. We have a lot of great content that's coming out here soon. Uh, when is your next podcast? When Tomorrow. You- thir- I'm sorry, Thursday. What day is it today? Tuesday. Who are Thir- we? Wow. Thursday, 4 on? o'clock. Sauscast. Thursday, every what four- do you have on Thursday, 4 o'clock? Sauscast? Oh, we got some people on. We got Coach Greg Adams, Ali Ray, and Ali Drummond, your friend now. Nice. Oh, yeah. oh wow. Jill, how about yes, yourself? I have a show at noon today, a big show. I am going step-by-step, breaking down the Andrew Tate interview with Pierce Morgan. You are definitely not going to want to miss that. That's going to be a good one. Oh, yeah. That's going to be a <laughs> good one. Mine is today at 4, 4 p.m., uh, my get, um, I have Tyler, which is one of my favorite guests yeah, all the time. Busy day today. And Rob, <laughs> I'm going from here to Jedediah. He's going from here and Rob got Jules going to be there. You're doing it at four o'clock rather than one o'clock. We're doing four o'clock. There's people on the East Coast. They're not. I mean, on the West Coast. They're not hey, late again, for those of you guys that joined us, thank you for your loyalty and for being here with us. Be patient. We're gonna whoop some ass and do big things here together. Take care, everybody. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.